Hi, I am Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 23, featuring Canna Trooper. You have seen him around the community all along for a while now. He's a grower, breeder, he has many claims to his uh, his hat there, looking forward to chatting with him tonight. How you doing, Canna Trooper? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? <clears throat> Pretty good. Why don't you tell everybody yeah. uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, where they can find you? Well, uh, I'm Canna Trooper on uh, Instagram. Uh, I don't really have any YouTube content or anything right now. I just post once in a while on my Instagram. Uh, I've been doing this uh, cannabis stuff for a little while now. Um, I started growing actually like when I was 13. Uh, I had a bad run in, I guess, with, uh, ADHD and, uh, medications like Adderall and stuff like that. And I just, uh, it was not working for me and I started, uh, smoking and I really liked it and I decided to start growing it. Um, it just, uh, it worked out well for me, but, uh, I kind of bit off more than I could chew when I first started doing it. I got into cloning and I thought it was like so cool. And I started taking clones on clones on clones. And I, before I knew it, like the whole crawl space we were growing in was completely full. So <laughs> we, uh, we ended up just taking them out into the woods and just planting them. And that's kind of how I got my start there. And, uh, I kept up with that grow cause it just, it got big and it developed. Um, someone else took it over, over, over the years, like, cause I joined the military and I could only come up like on the weekends or every other weekend when I was still stateside and help out with it then. But it was like my escape. It was my therapy. It's kind of, kind of, I, uh, kept myself level-headed throughout the service. And I always look forward to coming back to, uh, seeing all the green ladies and stuff when I came back from the desert too. It was just like, so fascinating to see green in the first place to just see it so displayed like that it was it was so much fun um it really helped me kind of like zen out when i'd come back home <clears throat> but nice after, 13 yeah. that's a pretty early start brother yeah that's real early start i uh i mean I had, uh I grew up on a vegetable farm. I, I grew up on a vegetable farm, so I was just exposed to it early. Uh, there, there's like the back end of the property, um, and it's, I just didn't know what it was. It just wasn't a thing. Nobody really talked about it. Nobody really hated on it. And then as I got older, I put the pieces of the puzzle together, and I was like, "Oh, that's what that is." <laughs> nice. Hell yeah, that's funny. It's a, a cool story. So let's say, let's, I guess, what we were smoking on back then? What was that uh, holy grail that you found back there? <laughs> so um, I am near the Appalachian Mountains in the southeast region where I'm at. And uh, the thing that they had down here, and the way the story goes, is uh, there were some guys from Canada that came down and had a strain called Beasters. And they got a few cuts of that. Yeah. And I, I knew you would know what that was, but, uh, um, cause I'm originally from Toledo, Ohio. So I'm like right near where, where you all are at. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they brought that down and a bunch of the uh, growers up in the mountains, they got their hands on it. And I had some seeds that I got from bag seed when I first started out. And then and, like, I tried ordering some seeds and I can't even remember what like, the first strain was probably like AK 47 or something like that. Uh, and then, uh, I just, 
took the uh, seeds that we had, seeds from the bags, and we tried working it. And like I said, it was just, I went mad with the cloning and I had little clones all over the place and they were just like all different, even uneven sizes and everything like that. It was, it was pathetic looking back at it now, but you know, you got to start someplace. And when you're going through that and you see that, like, I'm, I kind of like uniformity. I like symmetry and I just didn't like how my plants were looking. I was like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. And through talking to some people, I was able to go out to the Appalachian mountains and, uh, see an actual grow out there and i was just like okay how do i do this and they gave me some clones and i made about five moms off that and we just made like a huge massive monocrop that year of the beasters and that was around here for a hot minute um we had some uh northern lights and uh we just called that our headies and uh uh we would get in other stuff from like new york city sometimes some like panama gold back then Man, I'm just picturing uh, this the scenery you painting for me. I can just what a great growing up, man! I could just see <laughs> just climbing over the top of this mountain and uh, like seeing this beautiful canvas field. Just like yeah, what a, you know, what a great day! What do you know? What an awesome moment, man! That's I could just it see it in my head. I, it'd be pretty fascinating man i i would love i've never seen nothing like that firsthand but i do love the mountains and i can just i can just picture it man it'd be fucking amazing so i i don't mean to interrupt you keep going it's just like no I no it, it's totally yeah no i'm glad you can yeah no i uh i tend to ramble so cut me off when you need to it's your show man so um yeah i just i kept going from there uh with that um it was really cool like you said um going up into the mountains and you have to hike back in there and it's it's a hell of a hike to get some of their some of these guys' farms and they actually have like some freshwater springs coming off the mountains and that's how they irrigate their stuff and it's just it's amazing like how some of the stuff they did um some of these guys they would just like let the water run down like literally like irrigation ditches that they dug from the spring they'd have a like spigot and they turn it off or this one guy he had a board and he would move it over from one area because it'd empty into a creek and he'd divert it from a creek over into his irrigation ditch when he went on a flood. Like he had a trellised flood and drain essentially down the side of the mountain and he would just fill it up and then he just let it just sink in. It was pretty cool to watch. Well, I bet. What a great start to a grow career. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious, man. What an awesome start. I mean, that's like bread into you. That's a, that's a awesome man. Oh, I, I don't even know. Keep going. I don't even know what to say at this point. <laughs> uh, well, um, like I said, I, I, I'm from uh, around the Toledo area. And so I had, uh, they shut that garden down um, that we uh, set up around here while I was in high school. And um, it just, they were building a new highway is what happened. And the survey, people started seeing like hearing uh, people creeping up to the garden. They started seeing survey stakes and it was just like, Oh shit, this is our last harvest. If we can even make it that far. And we got it in, in time and they got out of there, but there's definitely some evidence over the years. Uh, we, we built like little shacks back there. We had dug out big assholes so we could get the, uh, the whole like rhizosphere built up over the years with putting in different types of amendments into the soil and stuff. So it was just pretty interesting to see how that all happened. And it was just kind of really heartbreaking and sad to say the part to that field. But I had 
learned pretty much like all, all my basics there. And uh, really, uh, I took a probably about a two year break from growing at that point. And I had gotten out of the service from active duty uh, because this place where I was stationed at was about 45 minutes away from where I was in high school. So I was able to do that, like I said, but uh, I had moved to a red state. I moved back to Ohio and I was working at a Marriott uh, there as a chef and it was the recession and I had just started working there and I was within my, uh, my 90 days and a week before the 90 day uh, pay increase from your starting pay. They capped all the uh, the pay raises and promotions and everything. So I was sitting there stuck that stuck at starting pay, and it just how the hell am I going to turn some money? Oh shit! I actually I I know some skills. Yeah. <laughs> so I went back to gardening, and I just hadn't done it indoors though. I mean, I had an indoor bedroom, but I hadn't flowered indoors ever. Uh so that was like a little nerve wracking for me at first, especially cause I was in an apartment. I had, a, I had neighbors above me, next to me, below me, all that. So nothing, a little carbon filters and some Ona can't fix though. So I rolled through it, uh, learned what I needed to learn, got on YouTube. And, uh, that's, I mean, where we've all kind of like found ourselves, got on the forums and found like different grow buddies and different people to like take advice from, you know, you can, when you get on there, you just, you listen to everything. You take it all for, uh, not with a grain of salt. You're like, Oh, this guy knows what they're talking about, but this guy knows what they're talking about. You know, it's just like, and then you got to sort, sort through it and figure out like what works and then what works for you. And I kind of, I got on the Lucas formula at first cause I was just nervous to like dive into synthetic nutrients because I had like been running teas and stuff like that before when I was outdoors and I was just like mixing soils and stuff. So I was a little more organic. I mean, we used some synthetics up there, but uh, it was just, I wanted to be better. I wanted to get better at it. And my first strain that uh, I really stood out for me in the indoor grow was ice grapefruit. I got some feminized seeds of that from, uh, what was it? Uh, Herbie Seed Bank. (laughs) And uh, I got that shipped over and into a PO box and I grew that and at the time, I mean, I knew like what indicas and sativas were, but like I hadn't like really necessarily like I'd gotten feminized seeds before, but uh, I didn't realize uh, indoors how long this was going to take. I was like, oh, indoors is going to take so much it's shorter. I didn't because I was used to the outdoor cycle and it took so much longer than I had expected. So I was sitting there like, oh, I'm waiting for my payday, waiting for my payday. And it finally came through. And it had some really fluffy nugs and everything like that. It really wasn't what I, it was what I expected for like a payday. And uh, it was very disappointing for me. But then like the thing that all my friends said that, uh, that I had dealt it to, they're like, man, that smells great. That tastes great. And, you know, that kind of gave me the confidence and to do like, okay, the flavor, the taste is there. What do I need to do to improve this? You know, you learn about bulking agents and everything. Like I said, I was in the Lucas formula and there's nothing to the Lucas formula. So, I mean, I was just literally giving a bare bones feeding. So that's why my stuff was like that. And plus environmentals and you learn all this obviously as you go through, but yeah, then I just kept progressing from there and I ended up finding out the place to go to learn more if I wanted to progress uh, was to go to Michigan, specifically around Genesee County area. And, uh, yeah. That's my stomping grounds. That's my old stomping grounds right there, Genesee County. Yeah, so uh, 
give a shout out to Seven Tenths Avant. You know who he is? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, yep. so he's, um, he's a good extractor, and uh, he's putting his foot out there as you know a good breeder. Uh, I, I believe I had his sunset sherbet uh, that he passed me a few cups ago. Uh, it was one of a sunset sherbet cross. I can't remember what it was. It was something smoothie, sunset smoothie. That's what it was uh, by Seven Ten Savant. But uh, yeah, I got much respect for him. He's a good guy. Yeah, definitely. He is a great guy. Um, I I used to uh, sit around the smoke table with him and just like listen to some of the things he had to say. And there were a couple other growers up there. Um, I'd give him a shout out, but I just don't really know their like Instagram handles or anything. But um, any, any any chance do you know uh, Ahab on Instagram? No, Brandon. I don't. His real name's Brandon. He's okay. a photographer. He hangs out with a uh, seven ten there. Okay. I think actually, I think I do know who you're talking about. I just don't know. Like I know of him, I don't know him. But um, what's it called? Uh, Great, uh, natural stress solutions. Uh, you got Juice that owns that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked with him at Happy Harvesters when I uh, when I because that's where I started. That's where I, uh, I got up there and I got a job there uh, at Happy Harvesters uh, Hydroponics in Burton. And uh, I, I looked I, I'm over surprised I don't know mile. you from there. I'm surprised I don't really? know you from there. Oh, South shit. Saginaw, right over there. In yeah, fact, my man. tattoo shop, well, well, my old tattoo shop right across the street. Uh, okay. I forget what the, I forget what they're calling it now there because it's changed hands. It was Snake and Dagger down the road, but now it's something else right across the street from Happy Harvesters there. Okay. Yeah. My, yeah. Mike up there, he got me, uh, juice and Mike got me in the door over there and, uh, Kyle, he was a good guy. He's a really good influence to listen to. Uh, they're the ones who kind of just helped me up my game and, uh, Mike helped kind of support, uh, what I was doing and everything. And like, it just progressed from there and working with, uh, 710, uh, like he just like not really working with him, but he like, you know, he told me like, where to go and what to do and how to do things you know so it's just you got to respect the people in the community and like put do your dues and work with them and stuff you know give and take and you can work with people uh and that's how i've progressed in my information but then you get to like a certain point uh even with other people's help where it's just like all right you know where i go from here and you know then it's just like on your shoulders and then it's like we're talking to people that you know actually use like hard data and 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 going and seeing what other people have done and what you've done and then also instagram is great i mean like you can just go through and i call it um what is it um i can't really remember (laughs) i'm a little stoned right now but uh what are you smoking on man uh, primal punch with a little bit of uh, oh, okay. scissor hash and in, insane in the membrane uh scissor hash in the middle of that been trimming up all day what you got uh you token on over there um this is a caesar actually um so sergeant pepper and i are rather close to each other so we uh we hang out and uh he's got a pretty He's got a pretty mean garden going on over there right now, and uh, he's got uh, pretty good stuff going. So he's uh, he's on the up and up. I, 
I seen those Caesar buttons when he was on. Pretty impressive stuff he's got going on over there. Well, let's hear about it. What's it taste like? You, you didn't really, you told us about it, but we didn't get a smoke report. Let's get a smoke report. Up. I like it. It's really clean. Um, at, at, since I've met him, he's gotten, every run has gotten better and better and better. And like I said, he's been up in his game and this is probably the best he's had so far, uh, hands down actually. And this and the hog, the uh, the hog's got nice citrusy tones. This is just like kind of funky little OG to it. So, I mean, I uh, we used to grow OG eighteen and stuff. So, I mean, you, you like that's really really OG OG. So this you get like a hint of that in the here, and then it's just more gas after that. Ooh, well the OG a good OG to me has got gas. But if you're adding gas on top of gas, it sounds uh... yeah super good yeah exactly so yeah no it's a it's a what is it it's triple triple og and uh gorilla glue so i mean there, there's some glue in there you can definitely yeah yeah it but, sounds totally fire shout out to sergeant pepper 420 his garden was on point the other night yeah give him some props, oh yeah definitely bro. oh yeah definitely always always definitely so yeah i uh i've don't really know where to kind of go from there man uh the uh i've gone from where i started to now where we're at with ig i mean other than uh i started a consulting business i should talk about that obviously <laughs> full stone but, well we uh, can we can go all kinds of let's go all kinds of ways how, did, did you how long did you grow outdoors do you prefer to grow outdoors are you growing outdoors now and he didn't know and here you go kana since you are uh you were growing up on a farm and everything. Uh, do you have some outdoor tips for anybody that would uh, want to grow outdoors this, this year? Get any tips for that? So my kind of tips for outdoor is remember to go, if, if you don't have any sort of rain covers, go out and shake your branches after it rains. <laughs> uh, they uh, get real fucking heavy and just want to snap on over. And that's just money lost. I uh, I didn't know that in my first season. <laughs> that was a p- really painful lesson. <laughs> we all live and learn on our girls, though. Yeah, um, definitely do. Any other good outdoor tips you can pass along? Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot or no, nothing. no, it's fine. Uh, like just uh, like mixing the teas and everything. Make sure you give it. Uh, more than 24 hours i kind of brew sometimes like if you give it the extra brew and then you strain out um through a cloth afterwards it gets all the particulates out because i used to like using irrigation piping and uh i would clog up my lines or i get like a piece of a a chunk of something from the teas and it just like clog my little like my little drip emitter and it would just be disastrous just like little pieces so are you a hydro grower now and indoors so preferably when I do have a garden currently, I can't have a garden because uh, doing the consulting and the state I'm at, um, I have to go into other people's grows uh, for one. So I can't necessarily like have mine and then like cross contaminate potentially. Uh, it's not nice to them. And then, uh, like I said, I'm in a red state. If I go forward with any sort of licensing or anything like that, I kind of have to be ready for an investigation into anything and everything. So that's kind of okay. where I'm at, right? Now. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the investigation uh, process at the moment. 
Well, so. if you were, let's go there. If you were growing, what kind of? Uh, I would do a drip. Dri- I would do cocoa uh, with some perlite mixed in, and I do a drip, um, drip irrigation system. So, kind of is, is that similar? The, I don't mean to cut. Go ahead. No, go. You're the you're the guest here, brother. I mean, <laughs> I'm cutting you off. That's fine. No, I was gonna say, uh, Sergeant Pepper is pretty much like how he would do it. Um, he's uh he's got he's going over to LED lighting, uh, and uh definitely like to be able to keep the heat down. Um, I definitely like being able to palletize stuff on some of the pallet racks. Um, those are where I would go. That's where I would lean more towards. There's several different ways you can uh, do that. Um and different light companies obviously so it just really kind of depends on uh what type of financial backing you have uh when when it kind of all comes down to it you know like how you start out because one one if i have a low kind of say if i were to get a uh investor i could go and just get a bunch of a wings and just put a bunch of like ac in the room and just pump it out get some weight going and then have that build into like a payday for the next thing just keep upgrading with each grow you can start out like that. Um, that's obviously the walk, crawl, run of it. But um, if you were to say, just start out sprinting from the get go, yeah, I'd want to do like Floriflex. I'd want to do Science LED. Uh, um, if I really just want to go for some weight, you know, I try maybe going for some of those grow crafts and see uh, if I can push the PPFD up to the max with the because those things are push out some micromoles and uh, it just really kind of depends on where you want to uh what you're what you're trying to do if you're going for weight if you're going for quality if you want to breed so it really kind of depends on the benchmarks i would have set forth from the uh investors at this point because like i said if i'm going to be sprinting somebody else is obviously paying for it <laughs> right on so uh I, obviously that's the consulting work you do is uh, cannabis grow uh yeah I've uh, so I mostly can you do give yourself grows. a shout out then. Yeah, can you give no, yourself do, uh, a shout out? I do uh, cannabis. Uh, Canna Trooper Cultivations is the uh, consulting. Uh, I go around to mostly like because the region I'm in, I'm in the southeast. There's mostly hemp farms down here that I go to. I've traveled outside the state to a couple THC uh, locations, but um, they're more or less underground, so I can't really shout them out too much. Um, but uh, I've gone to Asheville, I've gone to South Carolina, um, I've gone to Savannah, Georgia, gone up to Virginia, I've gone out to Tennessee, and uh, gone up to Ohio for, that's one I can say for a THC girl up there, but I can't necessarily say who, because there's just like a non-compete thing going on right now. So that's been the extent of it all. uh... Uh, well, go ahead and tell me about your uh, consulting and, and any advice that you would give a, like a grower. That'd be, that's good. Can you like, uh, just go ahead and like say I'm a customer, you know, chat's a customer. Let's do, you know, walk me yeah. through a little bit of consulting here. So essentially what I do is um, I want to know what the uh, customer wants out of this. Everybody says, I just want to get money. I want to make money. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't tell me who you are. I want to know who you are and who you want to be in the space. You know, do you want to be in the top 5%? You want to be in the top 1%? You know, like there are things I can tell you on how to get there, but 
a lot of people don't want to listen to them because in their mind, they've already made a decision on what they think they're going to do and how they're, how they're going to get there. So you really got to get a feel for what their, what's in their head. And you can't really like break away too far from them because they're the paying customer. They're paying you to do what they want. And it's, it's Burger King. You gotta, you gotta do it their way and you gotta um, really listen to them. You can, you can suggest things and you can tell them, but until they trust you, they're not gonna, they're not gonna listen to you full heartedly right off the bat either. So it's a painstaking process of balancing and not hurting someone's ego and, Usually as a consultant, I'm coming in and there's already a grower there. There's someone who's managing this as well. So you've got their pride and ego that you got to get past. You got the owner's pride and ego to get past and you got to get through the relationship that those two have built usually as well. And not to break it, but to be part of it and part of their decision-making process. So they're all on the same page because there's a lot of, it's, it's pretty much going in and seeing like watching Gordon Ramsay go in and it's like hell's kitchen sometimes <laughs> because you walk in and there's no cleaning procedures. There's no, um, there's no IPM procedures put in place. Um, I mean, you just, it, it, it can be very painstaking. So I really need to know where they want to be and who they want to be in the space. And once I figure that out, I can better direct them on the path that they should be going on. And a lot of people, they think that, you know, also once you have one consultation, it's kind of a one and done and they'll just go and go from there and run with it. Like I said, cause they've already got a grower and they're like, okay, well I've used the information that you can provide for me. Now I'm good. And we paid you and we can go on. And it's just like, all right, cool. You know, like I'm fine with that. If you, uh, if you guys are, but what I find happening is that people want to keep coming back because, okay, we've done this. What can, what else can we do to better this? Now that they've listened to you and you've established that rapport, that trust. So it's really keeping them coming back or getting signed on to be a, a regular part of the operation as well. So I've gone through and been to a few operations where I've considered signing on with them, but in the end, um, for example, there was a place in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm not going to say who it was, but they, uh, they didn't own the building that they were in. And I noticed that they had some skylights that they were covering up with some, uh, some sort of like uh, tin on top of the roof. And you could see light kind of coming in. And I was like, you know, that's a light leak. And, you know, you might want to get your roof inspected from, you know, where you tapped that in too. And they're like, oh, we can't really do too much with that. That's the landlord that handles that. That's his area of stuff. And we can't really have too much say. I was like, well, you kind of might want to renegotiate with the landlord to make that part of your say. Because if that leaks, this is your flower room. You know, that's going to spike your humidity and you're going to powdery mildew. And if it happens at night and you come in in the morning, you don't see it because they don't have any alarms or anything. They don't have automation to let them know if anything goes wrong while they're away. So there's just a bunch of different things that you can advise and tell them. And unless they listen to you, you know, it's just, it's kind of rolling the dice. And when you come back and you're like, you know, Hey, how are you guys doing? You know, like, are we going to have that meeting about possibly signing on? It's like, you know, what, um, we can't really do that anymore. Last weekend when we went to go harvest, we decided to save the harvest for Monday morning. 
instead of doing it Friday night for like one, like, okay, it's harvest time, you know, like all hands on deck, let's chop these things down and start trimming guys, you know, like, let's get these things hung up and dried. But no, that was, was like, so that was kind of red flag to me there in my mind. But then they said the roof leaked all over the place. And it was specifically something I told them in the, my initial consultation with being in their facility for five minutes. It was the, one of the first things I said, you know, get your roof check, you know, you need to work with your landlord. And it's just, like I said, you can tell people what they want to hear all day long, but when you tell them something that they don't want to hear, they tend to not want to do it. And I hate to say I told you so, but it happened. And you need to trust the consultant. If you're going to be willing to pay the money, you got to like, listen. And that's really kind of like been the, the biggest challenge is being a consultant is really get these guys take like what you have to say as kind of as gospel. Um, because they're paying me money already. And then I'm sitting in there coming in there telling them, you know, like, Hey, your business plan, scrap it. We're going to go ahead and do a whole new thing. You know, like if you want this done the right way, but they don't want to hear that. So then you got to put band-aids on their system and do it along their lines and like, Oh, well we do this. Well, we do this, you know? And it's just, Hey, that's fine. I'll do it any way you want to. But, but in the end, if you're not going to follow this thematic sequence that I set up for you to follow and go step by step by step and hit all these benchmarks and check all these boxes as you go, like I can't, if you break that system, I can't be held accountable for, you know, where you go with that. So that's also the other thing is just, you know, making sure that they understand, you know, like, Hey, you've broken some script here. So it's it consulting. It's fun. It's a lot of work and you got to be very diplomatic with people. So what are some of the systems and uh, lighting that you'd suggest to uh, some of these operations? Do you suggest like flood and grow or flood and drain or drain to waste, I, cocoa? I you know, what do you yeah, suggest? I, I, I tend to try to get them to go more towards automation and uh, things that will cut down their nutrient, uh, um, the amount of nutrients that they use, the amount of soil that they use. So yeah, flood and drain system would probably be the uh, more easy system to kind of go to. A lot of people, for some reason around here, really like not to knock on it because there are a million ways to skin this cat. But, you know, uh, deep water culture. And that was another thing that was a big red flag. Like I, I used to do deep water culture all the time. It's great. But something that, you know, I've noticed is that it will, because you're just sitting in the same nutrient solution, they have nothing to do but uptake anything that they're sitting in is that if you have some heavy metals in your nutrients, they're gonna, it doesn't matter how much you flush, it's gonna pretty much be locked in on that. So that was one of the things, uh, I actually have some pictures on my um, Instagram of when I was at that grow and they have a deep water, uh, they have a current culture, deep water culture system, uh, recirculating one. And it's the, it's a great system, not, not to knock on it or anything, but they just weren't flushing. Uh, I showed them, the new standards that California at that time had just put out towards their um, testing for, especially for the heavy metals count in particular. And in uh, California, the threshold they have is 0 0.2. And uh, I think that was, or 0 0.02, one of the two. And the, uh, the count that they came in under arsenic and that was for arsenic heavy metal. Uh, what they came in on their hemp testing was uh, 45.1. So, and the threshold was underneath a decimal point. 
for California and there's no threshold standards over where I'm at yet because they don't have to necessarily get it tested. You know, they, they say that, oh yeah, we get a third party to test it, but you know, did they really? <laughs> and so we got their testing result. I, I made them go and actually get some uh, tests uh, done at a lab that I recommended and I compared it and I was just like, Hey man, you guys are running way hot. And they're like, well, look at our CBD content, you know, like, look at that. It doesn't matter what your CBD is. You can't sell this if you're, if your uh, heavy metals are like, like completely blowing the, the uh, scale out of the water. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to see like what people are willing to do just to make sales and stuff too. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to knock what people do. There's a million ways to skin this cat because I mean, they, and this is a real number. They were selling that stuff for uh, $45 a gram. And it's like hemp CBD flour. And it's completely just like off the charts with uh, heavy metal. So it was just like getting those people to come back down to earth was definitely a chore. And uh, it didn't, it was definitely not a success uh, in my book. I'll go ahead and admit that completely. Like, I wish I could chalk that one up, but they didn't want to listen, like I said, and that, that's what the hardest part of being a consultant is, is getting them to get on script with you. So, uh, but other than that, being a consultant and working with like all, all different types of growers and seeing how the community is building up and seeing who all is interested and seeing all the other ancillary businesses that work with this, working with all the hemp boutique, uh, boutique dispensaries and stuff that are around here, showing them how to help present uh, their shop and helping them learn by like endo uh cannabinoid system and everything uh it's just being able to help them connect with the local populace and engage with them to help educate them so that when uh they do let thc come here and be legal we can have some standards and the that the uh you know the customer base knows what to look for knows what's boof and what's not Well, at least you guys are getting to be able to practice your skills on the hemp. So you'll be guys be ready to transfer over when uh, you can grow some THC flower there. You guys will be quickly switch over there. Yeah, no, there's a definitely keeping my hands on that skill set so that I I don't lose it. Um, uh, definitely have to tip my hat to some people that helped me be able to keep that going keep that alive but uh wish i could say but more but uh you know just trying to protect them but uh yeah there's a there's definitely a strong local community and i feel like if they would just let us be open and free like it is up there in michigan uh you know it would just all these people would be able to connect with each other all this like all this business could be had and jobs and just better the economy because they really really want it here but uh kind of in the bible belt so you gotta you kind of gotta convince all the uh all the church congregations first that it's a good idea yeah i agree i agree i just wanted to uh Dress purple thumb emoji. I'm kind of. Do you have your chat open in case you see some questions or somebody in chat you want to shout out there? No, no, I don't have um, my chat open. Okay, purple thumb OG wanted me to was asking me if I could get some soil people in. Uh, yep, country roots will be here on Tuesday, and Detroit nutrients will be coming on here uh, shortly. So we do have some soil people coming on. 
one at a time. We can only do so much over here. Damn it. Try it. Anyways, can it? All right. Uh, so you've got to, let's say, yeah, I'm your customer here again here. You've, you've come into my establishment. And you've got me running the flooded and drain now. Uh, what kind of nutrients would you suggest me, uh, you want me to use here? I would suggest the uh, floor flex, to be honest. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, some people um, really like to stick to what they know, though. So when I have to go that way and I kind of go back to uh, bottled nutrients, I, I recommend general hydroponics to them. That's just uh, my bread and butter, what I've used over the years and everything. Uh, I, I really like them. I've really enjoyed the results that I've had with it. It's very easy to uh, pH everything. It stays buffered very well, and it's very easy to flush. The floor flex, I recommend it uh, for some fact that, again, it's easy to flush. It's easy to keep the pH and the EC balanced on that. And then on top of that, it's the best I've ever seen when it comes to mixing nutrients. Um, it, the way it dissolves, uh, I've, I've used the, uh, the stir bar, uh, plates for a long time. Um, I used to get them when you could only get them when they were like a heating plate and a stir bar. Um, I got them from my stepmom. She was a chemist when, uh, when I was uh, in high school and, uh, she brought them home because she would make, uh, root beer, which she made, she made like the Snapple drinks and stuff. And she thought it was like, so cool to like come bring it home and like show us how to make root beer in them. And like at the time, like my brothers were sitting there using it. And I was just like, man, for all the fucking times I'm sitting there with a piece of bamboo, sitting there stirring my nutrients out in the woods, I could have this piece of shit, that little plate that has a little pill looking thing in it. It just spins in a circle. Best thing, best thing I ever did. I did. I, I snagged it from my stepmom. Sorry, it's my stepmom. You know, I stole, I stole your stir bar thing from work, but <laughs> it saved so much time for so many years. And that thing ran for a good 10 years too. Um, but then I got those and it was uh, putting in just a little bit each time with the, G, the GH mixture. You know, you can only do it in a certain order as you do it. So I just, it was just sitting there mixing it and I would take like the concentrate and I would add it to a bigger, um, bigger batch after I mixed everything in a small little thing on in a beaker on top of the, uh, uh, the plate. And I remember one time I accidentally turned the heating, the heating element on, on it. And I walked away from it and I came back and everything was a weird color. And it was just like, had this like cloudiness to it. And I went and I touched the beaker and it was so fucking hot and I dropped it and it just spilled all over the place. So that's uh that's when i started looking uh, on amazon and i found that they didn't have any uh, they had some that were separate from the hot plate and the stir bar so that was definitely a lifesaver <laughs> but uh yeah the floor flex like nutrients pretty good growing up over there pretty cool time growing up in the meals yeah yeah i uh, definitely uh, enjoyed the uh, the upbringing uh there's definitely some uh interesting people that you uh, can go and meet out in the mountains. Uh, I can't, I, I live down just outside of the mountain area. So I'm more towards like the cities and stuff like that. And it's always interesting to go up there and just see how comfortable and open everybody is with it. And then come back to the city and just be like, Oh man, you know, can't, can't talk about it. Can't even like think about it around some of these people. <laughs> 
but uh yeah nice so all right you we've got me a flood drain you got me some mm -hmm. nutrients uh, so what yes. kind of lighting would you, you want to see me run so generally uh again i i, I would try to go towards like say like science but uh you know going to that price point and getting someone you know to completely understand the uh spectrum aspect to that and making sure they keep it tuned in you know that's something that's gonna have to be more taught over time i feel so giving them because a lot of these people you're bringing them over from uh hids high intensity discharge lights mostly like high pressure sodiums double ended bulbs everybody's doing like the phantom twos or the gavitas and you get uh you once you get them away from that what the first concept that you have to get through their mind is that you know, the AC is going to go down because the cool temperatures and everything. So what I would do is there's that uh, actually in the chat that we're in, uh, Sergeant Pepper sent it. Um, it was that Lux Light. I would, I would recommend that, that, uh, that white one that like you can hold from the two center supports. Uh, can't remember the, mo the model number, but uh, I think it's uh, comparable to uh, the micromoles per joule that the Growcraft does. And that, I feel is a good uh, fixture to transition someone from HID over to LED with that's used to commercial size operation. And so say they have infinity tables, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to break the bank going into it. So getting them to change their lights, getting them to change their nutrients and uh, sometimes their substrate. Those are the first things that you can do to help them cut costs and, you know, earn their trust and the rapport. Uh, if you can get their, their game going good on those three aspects right there alone, if their environmentals are already dialed in, I mean, that's, that's more than half the race. I feel, uh, getting them to trust the led technology has been one of the biggest fights as well. Um, there's just a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of, still a lot of stigma about them and a couple people are like, Oh, you know, I tried them and, you know, and you ask them what type of light they got and like, well, I went on the Amazon and I got this kind led or, you know, I got this Mars led and, you know, not to knock those people, you know, they can make good lights. It's just that they didn't know what models to go after. They didn't know, you know, what all to go for, for spectrum control and everything. So it's just, it's interesting. It's a, uh, it's definitely a painstaking process to bring them uh, up to speed on it. And I feel, you know, there are definitely some fixtures out there that are better uh, relatable towards uh, adjusting someone's skill set from HPS over to LED with. And the, the Lux lighting is definitely one of them. Oh, there's definitely a learning curve from coming over from the HPS to the LED. I mean, like you said, uh, just environment alone i mean yeah there's a swing right there you have to resist your your gut instinct of keeping it you know 75 and you gotta you know resist that urge and let it creep up a little bit for the led there there's tons of advantages to it like you said you can cut back that air conditioning you know you can apply a little bit more co2 you know provide a little bit of cooling from you know down under and push that co2 and the cooler air that's ambient up you know what i mean like you're saying there's tons and tons in my opinion of reasons to uh switch over so do you have a in your experience is there a hard time for a lot of these bigger growers uh adjusting for them from the hps or the high output lights to the led Yes. Again, uh, you, you usually are, you are working with, uh, an investor and owner, 
Uh, and then on the other side of that coin, you have the grower, the person that works in the warehouse every single day. And so, like I said, you get one person can, you had trying to sell both of them on this. And so you get the person who's spending the money sold on your concept and they hire you and they bring you into this. And then you meet the grower after the fact of them agreeing to your concept and all the changes you're going to make to that grower setup that they've been working on day in and day out for the last year or years. So now you're going to come in some stranger off the block. He doesn't know who the hell you are and meet them for the first time and then you're going to tell him how to do his job so it's real and tell him that you know hey you're going over to led instead of uh, hps and it's a struggle uh you know it's like if i came into your garden and say you know let's just say your boss your wife you know tells you you know hey he's going to come in he's going to change every single light that you're going to be using to something else you're going to use a different substrate and you're going to change your fucking nutrients on top of that. So I don't think uh, you would like that very much. <laughs> so there's really kind of uh they're, they're open, they're receptive, you know, they've usually been briefed on you coming in, but still you've got to, you got to break them of their habits. It's uh, there's the saying that I hear a lot of growers kind of come in with, you know, like if I was going to have, if I might get a big grow and everything, you know, and I have employees, I would want people that haven't grown before to come work for it. So I don't have to break all the bad habits that they, they would have from their own grows. And that is so true going into uh, other people's grows and trying to break old habits and trying to get them in line with the standard operating procedure that you've like written for them and that they've agreed to through contract and that they'll do. And that's like the training that you're going to set up for them. It's really hard to keep them on script. So that's another big challenge within being a, a consultant in this. All good answers so far. I'm loving this interview so far, Cam. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> so we're it, it, no, this is awesome. So uh, can you give us a like? We're still in the veg area. We're still not talking flowers yet. So mm -hmm. what were, would be some tips you would uh, suggest out for some integrated pest management? The biggest thing I can tell someone that can really um, boost their game in the flower room is if I'm already advising them to go to Floriflex is to invest into some maybe teas or some organic kind of uh, root drenches so that um, they can promote uh, the root development. Say you have a slurry tech, you can go ahead and develop that when you do uh, transplants that's a really good one be able to throw in there that's an easy one from the start out with uh moving on you move over into the flower and like you said uh doing um making your own kind of if for lack of a better term rhizotonic how canon nutrients has a rhizotonic being able to make like your own version of that and going through with a um a, a chapin and doing like a top sp uh, top spray root drench on top or because you don't you don't want to put too many organics through their drip lines and stuff because that'll just clog things up because generally you have sugars in that and you don't want to stain uh everything that can like because when it dries up after you run it through the line sometimes that can mold and grow within the line so it's not really good to run the organics through all the systems but if you do the top drench like i said that's usually a home run hit you'll go ahead and uh promote the development within the soil food web and the rhizosphere and they'll be able to uptake and process the uh the synthetics that you've been feeding them a lot better 
So that's something I do and being able to kind of help them up their game. It helps with the um, terpene development, trichrome production, uh, just the oils and resins in general. And just it just adds so much more flavor to it, to the terpene profile, I feel. That's just my own opinion. I mean, people can disagree with me all day, but that's just what I've seen in my own results. Oh, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. So do you have any uh, pest management tips there? Uh, what do you want to see as far as uh, keeping everything clean and uh, keeping the you know, pests away? Obviously, number, well, number one is keeping your shit clean. Yeah, <laughs> I would exactly. Hope, you know, that kind of level, everything's, you know, nice and clean and sterile. But you should uh, be doing something, correct? Nonetheless. Yeah, I I recommend them getting uh, UV filters. Uh, go ahead and help filter with the uh, the air. Uh, and then um, if I don't like recommending this, but you know people that are already using soil and say they have organic already, uh, ladybugs or nematodes, being able to have those predators in there and to take them out um, and just have the beneficial uh, critters in there. Uh, the reason I don't personally like that is my. Uh, mantra is that the grow room is a clean room um it needs to be completely sterile and when you go to have your buds inspected to say put on someone's shelf uh what if they put a microscope or they just like want to scope the buds and they start seeing like larva or they start seeing droppings from the from the ladybugs and the nematodes you know because they're they're going to leave stuff behind they're they're not like they're clean ish and they're very uh, efficient at what they do and they help manage the pest, but they will leave behind traces of their existence on your, on your crops. And, you know, some people will gig you for that and not want your product on their shelf. So I tend to lean away from that. I try to go towards having uh, more uh, like kind of oils and stuff like that, that are uh, put, put on, uh, on your plants. So, uh, you do like a fogging or misting probably like once a month. And there's several different products that you can use. Like there's Jack's SOS, depending on a, uh, what you're dealing with uh, is pre- towards like preventative. Uh, when you want to go ahead and clean, what I recommend is using H2O2. You want to use a kind of a soft cleaner. You know, you have to use more elbow grease when you do it and maybe uh, do it uh, clean once or twice more a week than you might need to with like bleach or something but you don't want to have those hard cleaners around your plants. Cause again, it's a clean room. And if you're doing a sealed CO2 environment, and you're cleaning with bleach, you're going to have the off gassing of the bleach, go ahead and affect uh, your plants. So that's, that's a big no, no for me is no bleach in the, is in the flower room. Um, you just have to like H2 go to for the most part, which is uh, just what I, go for uh you get it in a concentrate and i cut it when with a uh, water i usually do a half and half solution you can go ahead and up the solution though depending on what you're doing say you just harvested you can do like uh 75 25 and just completely uh shock your entire uh freshly cleaned room after you flip it getting it ready for your next flip over from the veg so those are kind of really what i recommend uh, there's a few other products I could say I could name off, but you know, there's, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's got products that they can name off. <laughs> right. Uh, 
Uh, you can aim them off. Just point, uh, you know, some people in that direction if you'd like. I mean, nobody's okay. you know, sponsored. You're not getting paid, but you know, if you want no. to help somebody find yeah. something, yeah, yeah. I mean, if anybody's got questions and stuff, they can they can hit me up. They can ask me anytime they want to on that. You know, I uh, open book. Anybody can kind of hit me up for any types of information. You know, there's an extent on what I'll be able to kind of help out with, but uh, you know, we can talk consulting if you want to consult kind of plugging myself there sorry self selfless <laughs> no no that's what you no 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 that's what you're here for brother yeah, yeah i want I you to plug yourself that's what you're here for brother um smiley garden here uh proposes a question you briefly touched on it with uh it with tease and I, i've got a pretty good idea of the answer myself but he is asking just for discussion, aren't uh, synthetic nutrients already available for plants? Uh, because you had mentioned adding like micros to make them uh, more available. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, there's already enough uh, nutrients in, in within uh, everything, uh, all the plants that you have. They want to be able to give it as minimal amounts as possible. You can even do that with teas. Just if you just feed them nothing but teas, you don't even necessarily need the synthetics uh, to go for it. Um, the thing with uh, I, what I kind of touch on, trying to beat around the bush here a little bit, but uh, just to kind of dive into it, you want to focus on the rhizosphere. You want to feed the, uh, the soil food web as much as possible. Um, there are people that just go ahead and just add microbes and just kind of, that's a bandaid. That's just a crutch to help move it along. Um, again, with the drip irrigation and or flood and drain system, I'm recommending that somebody uses like a cocoa with a perlite in it. So uh, that's more towards a soil. Um, you can use rock wool, but uh, again, you can have salt channels build up in that. Uh, so I kind of try to steer people away from that and you can have pH uh, imbalances in that very heavily. And moving into the cocoa is more of a soil type of a feel. I, this is just from my perspective. Um, I feel the plant can attach to it better because um, even if you just like look through history, I don't know if you know what the dust bowl is, but back during the great depression, they kept going and clear cutting all these farms that were um, going, uh, turning belly up and going. And so there was no roots holding them together, the soil together. So all this wind started catching, kicking it up and all the dust happened. And so what I kind of take from that lesson is that, you know, being able to hold the uh, soil together, have that root structure in there as built up as possible is one of the most important things in the, in the completely focus on that and feed it so when you actually are trying to feed the plant, the synthetic nutrients, the Floriflex nutrients, your roots have been fed already as well with the organic supplements, i.e. the teas that you can go ahead and make up. And there's different types of mixtures and everybody, you know, set, had swears by one tea or another. So, but as long as you're feeding that uh, soil food web and the rhizosphere in particular, they will be able to uptake and process pretty much anything that you want to give it uh, when it comes to the uh, salts and the synthetics. Uh, I hope that's answering some of the question there. Oh, I, I'm, I'm loving this because I, I, I agree 100%. I've 
if you guys go back and look at some of the early episodes with the Michigan Bro Show, me and Spartan kind of touch on this topic <laughs> a long time ago. And um, I've done it for a long time. And for me, it's just uh, about like uh, improving the turps and almost like a terroir in the soil. Yeah, I'm, I'm running in a cocoa and I'm feeding uh, in, uh, artificial nutrients, uh, salt nutrients at that time. Uh, but uh, I was also introducing uh, microbes, uh, recharge and uh, mycos to the soil. And I was feeding it molasses. And I also like to throw a little bit of that Alaska fish fertilizer in there too. I just, you know, I'd like to keep it, you know, a little bit of balance at all, each in there. Yeah, it can immediately suck up the artificial stuff, but it can also suck up some of that organic stuff too. And it's just, you know, like you said, why not build a, a bigger, better uh, root zone? And I was explaining this last night with uh, Boom Farms. It's when I, like, I harvest and stuff. Yeah, my, my uh, what I take out top, my weight, my uh, biomass measure is uh, a good standard to go by. But as a grower myself, I like to look, I'm looking at that root zone as my uh, judge of how well I did. You know what I mean? If that root zone, that pot isn't fully maxed out, them roots aren't as white as they can be, and they each one have the little fish bones on them, there's room for improvement up top and down below. <laughs> that's kind of the way I've always saw it, and that's kind of my answer on that question. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the thing that I've kind of uh, steered towards, again, is uh, towards the Floriflex, uh, um, the pot pros. And, you know, you can see people in the community, how they're, they pull the roots out and they see these big, huge, just white root masses that are just like these squares coming out of that. And what I've also noticed um, going around and looking at other people's posts about how this happens is that, you know, the best way is those caps, those caps on top of it. And I've also noticed this on, uh, on Pedro's grows as well. He puts that tree skirt over his organics and he covers it. And having that complete darkness over or that uh, seal allows the roots to just grow all the way to the top of the soil right there to the ceiling is what I call it. Making sure you hit that ceiling all the way. Because if you just put drip emitters in on the top part, um, say some, from, some, from some of the Floriflex irrigation equipment, it, it, the roots are only going to grow up to that point and wherever the light is touching the exposed cocoa, it's not, the roots aren't going to go ahead and maximize the, uh, the space in the pot and grow all the way to the top. So if you have that and you have it covered and you don't have any light exposing to it, that will allow for all the roots to grow up to the top. And the other thing about those uh, caps that you can put on the uh, pot pros, they have all those little ridges and every one of those ridges is a little opening for it to distribute itself. And it spreads out to all those roots that are reaching towards the top now because they don't have any light reaching them. So now you're able to completely distribute, distribute like the water throughout that entire pot pro very evenly. And it's feeding, it's eating it up as, as, as soon as possible. It's reaching for it. It's so hungry. So I mean, that's that's the best uh, way I can say to maximize your rhizosphere with uh, using some of the uh, floor flex technology. What do you think of that EM1 that uh, Pedro runs? 
that's actually what I recommend. That's uh, when you uh, get into microbes, it's one of the cheaper microbes to use, but it's also one of the more effective uh, microbes. I mean, EM stands for effective microbes itself. So it's, uh, it's, it's real good. The Terraganics guys know what they're doing. All right. Um, what do you think about any flowering tips? What do you feel about uh, as far as technique, you know, super cropping, uh, scrog? What do you like to see uh, the gardeners doing when they get into the flowering phase? Or what kind of so, methods would you like to see them? Assuming that they've uh, done everything appropriately in veg and that uh, the way I do it is you uh, lollipop and you top and you make as many tops as possible. But the biggest thing is having uniform height going into it, especially if you're going to be using LEDs, I feel. Um, going in with the uniform canopy is, uh, is key. And then being able to, uh, in the first two weeks, kind of help manage and maintain that as much as possible. Bending things over, not cutting things, not snapping anything while it's still limber and it's still in its stretch phase. And then making sure you get that strip in between the 18 and 28 day 18 and 21. So that's, that's my window I go for. And then, uh, I don't do, uh, any real strips after that. I keep everything lollipopped as much as possible. That's a big key. You don't want any, uh, you don't want any leeches on the bot on its feet pretty much. How do you feel about like a pre-flower strip? I know I like to I, go in like about a week, we get a half before and just strip them right down. Thoughts on get, getting the fan leaves out of there is actually, I feel essential before you go to harvest because then you're going to save time. Um, once, uh, once everything's dry. And then also if you're going to be doing, uh, any like live, uh, runs off of your product, getting the fan leaf strip and all, all the, uh, all that off there is kind of paramount as soon as possible. So, I mean, if you can do that as much as possible before harvest day, that way you can just go chop it and, take branches off and throw them in the freezer. I mean, I, that's the best way to do it. I feel what you said. So it, let's, uh, let's talk harvesting. Uh, what types of uh, harvesting methods do you like to see that just a pretty much a uh, strip and hang if they're not uh, going for extracts? Uh, so I like to, um, definitely just, like you said, do the, uh, pre, uh, pre-harvest strip uh and then afterwards make sure that you uh leave the sugar leaves on uh and then do a full plant hang if possible uh again you know if, you, if you've harvested a lot of plants anybody's harvested a lot of plants at once we all know that uh coming out of a trellis sometimes we can't, we have the branches break off or they get stuck on something and it's easier just to snip that branch off to pull the rest of the plant away and then pull it away later on. So you have your onesie branches, twosies uh, here and there hanging off the side, but as much of a whole plant hang as possible is what I, what I feel is the best way. Um, and so for some of the harvesting, uh, I've, uh, I've had uh, chains. I put S hooks into the uh, ceilings, like down the uh, support rafters, and I'll hang a chain, and I'll have S hooks hanging off that chain and I'll put the plant on an S hook. So you'll just see like one chain. It'll just have like five to six plants going, uh, alternating the sides going down. And then, uh, that's an amazing tip. That's just low tech right there, man. That's just like on a budget. 
you get a whole spool of chain and you just cut them and get the a whole box of uh uh eye hooks and s hooks and little hooks all, all those little pieces of hardware it's so cheap it's so easy I guarantee you there's going to be about 50% of the people that watch this go, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the best thing after that is to make sure you have uh, nothing is towards the floor. You have at least three to four feet off the floor for the drying. Um, that way you can have passive air current go down underneath it as well. Uh, you don't want anything directly, uh, fans hitting any of the buds and drying or anything like that. So um, maybe leaving about a foot space between the uh, the top of the chain where, where the chain is before the plant, just keeping that clear so that you can have some air current up on top as well. What do you feel about like a uh, storage method? How do you feel about like them just clipping the buds off them sticks and uh, storm in the buckets? So I am completely for putting the uh, branches in there after you pu pull them off the uh, plant itself. Uh, so separating the uh, biomass from the timber, lumber, whatever you want to call it, uh, just the, the stems, the, 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 main, the main part of the uh, uh, stock. And from there, you know, just from the bottom bud, you cut it and then you keep that. Or if you need to, you cut it in half. And I put it in five-gallon buckets. And I have the... Uh, I, I want to I want to say they're called Omega Seals. It's where you attach it on top, and then it's a screw-on cap, so that way you can seal it down really nice and tight. And I put like two uh, two of the really large like Bavita um, humidity packs in there, and that's part of my cure process. While the sugar leaves are still on there, while the branch is still on there, take it off the dry, and that really I feel holds in a lot of the uh, ability for it to cure a lot better. Um, and then as you need the product, bring it out and trim it to a more finer uh, product from there. I've noticed a difference, difference in the flavor alone and just the overall high when I, when I do it like that. Uh, I haven't had any uh, specific testing done to buds that I didn't do that to, to the ones I did do that to. So I can't like speak towards like hard data on it. But for me, as far as like the flavor goes and the feedback from the customers, both agreeing with me that I just kept doing it that way. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's switch back over to like, say the home grow side of things, because I guess my, we know the next question would be on uh, this all act, all trim, whatnot on the commercial side or going to the extractor or whatever. So yeah. let's say you're at home and you're able to grow. You're in a you know perfect environment. You've got your nice garden at home. And you've done trimmed out your stuff. What would you uh, do with your uh, your trim? Would you make your uh, bubble hash out of it, or would you make some butter edibles? Well, I mean, per, on a personal level here, and if you could, on a personal level, yeah, I'd go straight for a. Uh, I'd wash it. I'd wash it if. Uh, I get my hands on a freeze dryer. I try to do that, but if I couldn't, I would just try to press it afterwards. Uh, really big fan of the uh, of the solventless extraction using the ice water hash to to freeze dry to rosin press it. I, I really I really like that. Uh, had some I've sampled some of it as well, and it's pretty good. Uh, 
first time I had a solventless dab like that, I, I, I was high for about three hours <laughs> and it was, uh, it was probably one of the best highs I ever had. So I was just, I was sold on it way before then. And, uh, I was definitely just, you know, it reinforced, uh, what I wanted to go to, but, uh, that's if that's just, a, it's, a anything when you're running your own concentrate at home, and especially if it's your own personal use, I mean, it's going to cost you money to get the equipment. So, I mean, you, uh, you, uh, run the, uh, uh, ice water hash, right? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I'm fixing to make me a nice run. I was telling nice. boom last night, I was thinking about, uh, maybe one episode instead of like having a guest on, I was like thinking about maybe like setting up a monitor and, uh, using the headset mic instead of maybe making some bubble hash and, you know, talking shit and answering questions while I'm making some bubble on a, like a live episode. What do you think about that? Would you tune in for some shit like that? Yes, I would. And I know a lot of people really would because um, being able to have that firsthand account, it's one thing to have an instructional video uh, where, you know, someone edits and, you know, they, they don't show the in between what's the in between from the one frame to the next. If you're just sitting there and you've got your point of view vision and you're sitting there from beginning, beginning to end with that, I'm very certain people would want to sit there and see how you do your shortcuts and why you do your shortcuts, you know, having somebody explain it to them versus them actually visually seeing the practical application of the theory that you guys discussed. That's, that's, that's gold. Cool. I think I'm going to make that happen. So I've been, nice. uh, I've been separating, not only I, uh, I've been separating some good uh, material too. So, uh, that run will be a beautiful, just greasy, epic run. So yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to do that. Oh yeah. In a few weeks. I think that's going to happen. Hell yeah. So, uh, let's, uh, you've t- we've taken me pretty well through most of like a standard growth. So let's talk, uh, hemp for a minute. Uh, okay. How you guys liking that? You know, what what are you doing down there? So the hemp is definitely really tricky to um, get people to kind of understand because it's just like cannabis, almost exactly like it. Uh, there's when you're when you're messing with the flowers, like the, the way they're they're doing it right now is they're crossing it with actual cannabis strains so they can bring the different terpene profiles. But like what they're having to do is they're breeding it and diluting the THC content down while still trying to maintain that terpene profile and bring those flavors over and put them into the actual like hemp classified uh, plants. Ones that you can also get certified, have a certificate of authenticity on so that um, they're registered with the state and that the state approves it. So you know, when you go and you run these strains, these are recommended by the state list, meaning the state has already gone and run tests on them to prove that they do not run hot when they get tested. So more or less, that's saying you won't have the cops come and mess with you because you grow these strains instead of some off-brand ones or some specialty ones. So it's really interesting how that's kind of working out right now. Um, being able to get uh, hemp, hemp strains with the certificate of authenticity is definitely where people who are getting into a hemp game or you want to grow hemp yourself, that's where you want to start out. Uh, being able to stay within 
your uh, parameters that whatever state that you're in, the guidelines they've set forth. So whatever threshold they deem is like too hot on the THC scale. Using what we have discussed here tonight, and if you put that into the hemp plants, you're going to run them hot. They're going to get, they're going to push up that THC is going to bump up because like we run for max efficiency when we plant all this stuff out in the craft market. And if you plan max efficiency on the hemp, you're, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. You're, you're going to, you're going to have wasted your crop. And then at that point you have to run it all in the concentrate and you have to dilute it at that point. Cause that's what they do here. But, um, the other, the other part is, uh, they're using, and I, I personally don't agree with this. I think the whole plant can be used and it has purposes, but I don't think it has purposes uh, for medical application necessarily. Because when you're sitting there and you got to use the whole root ball and everything just to get every little scrap of CBD out of it, that tells me something. That tells me that you know you need to focus on your flowers a little bit more uh, and being able to bring the uh, their terpene profiles up. You have to be able to bring their CBD production up, which means you're not bringing your trike development up at all. So, but then again, that's a double-edged sword. You could run them too hot if you push it. So it's a really fine balance. That's the biggest thing is trying to find the balance. And what is it? Uh, Floraflex has, uh, I guess, identified that. And I think they're coming out actually with a, uh, a hemp formula uh, that I've been trying to see and get my hands on a little bit. But uh, we'll uh, we'll see how that develops. I kind of just want to uh, see what other people will do with that uh, first. Kind of um, see their their aches and pains, their growing pains with it. It surprises me to hear that you guys are using the hemp to uh, the TAC plant to breed the terps back into the hemp. Because I was actually kind of hoping that you were going to tell me just the opposite we were going to be able to use the hemp these large hemp crops to you know maybe discover some new terps that we could breed back into the thc plants but you're kind of telling me it's more the opposite here the the genetic diversity within the hemp is uh um as far as their flavor profile is not as developed and refined as the uh the cannabis uh, THC plants. Um, so that's why more or less it's a shortcut. There probably is, you could probably find some if you do big pheno hunts through the hemp uh, aspect, but at the same time, there it's just, it's a shortcut, you know, but the, the name brand, you want to bring that name brand from that terpene profile and you want to bring it over to hemp. And that's what they're trying to do. Mostly a lot of people are, because you'll see like pineapple express hemp, you know, there's, Charlotte's Web started out as a uh, as a cannabis strain, but now they have Charlotte's Web hemp all over the place. How'd that happen? You know, so that's uh, that's exactly like what they're doing, and uh, it's just really interesting as well because they're using all this uh, hemp to produce CBD when CBD was originally discovered in like uh, cannabis, like THC plant, which was the canatonic plant. That was like the original. So it's a uh, it's really interesting to see like how they've taken this and where uh, how they've derived it and how they'll use that canatonic plant or derivatives of it to inject the uh, um, pretty much inject it full of as much uh, CBD production as possible and then later on in its uh, 
lineage and reintroduce like more THC plants to bring that terpene profiles down to it. Now, the next thing that uh, struck my curiosity was, uh, and I'm not defending the hemp guys at all, because I think, you know, at that point you get to grow fields and fields and fields. Come on. You don't need to be pulling up roots and, you know, that's the way I kind of see it. But in the other aspect though, I've also seen, um, and I don't want to speak too, too much on the subject because I'm still kind of dipping into, you know, it myself. But I'm seeing a lot of research from uh, extracts being made from uh, root balls as far as like for lotions and shit like that. Uh, yes. So there is something there, but uh, are they mixing? My question is, are they just mixing it in with the hemp products that in general? Or are they doing two different separations and extraction methods there? Or is it just one dirty? In my own personal opinion, I'm not a scientist. I don't know if there is any sort of medical or uh, cosmetic value to what you're extracting out of the root ball. All I do know is that you can, there's a register, there's a registrable amount of CBD that you're able to extract from it. And that's what I, from my own personal experience, have observed that they're using it for in the cells and in the lotions that you're talking about to introduce it. They're literally just trying to, I feel, in my own opinion, just suck out as much of the product out of the plant as possible in any way, shape, or form, just to make as much product and say that it came from the plant and to make as many sales as possible. My own personal opinion, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's what I feel I've observed. Okay, well, the only thing I, I'm going to say to that, I guess, is a shout out to Shane Golosis, because I know he has a couple of podcasts. I want to say they're like midway through his series on uh, Spotify. But uh, I know in that in particular instance, they're, they're dealing with, you know, THC, you know, cannabis plants. So I don't know if mm-hmm. that's making a difference there, what they're trying to extract out or not, you know, versus the hemp. But uh, yeah. So I just want to throw that out there. If you're interested in, you know, here and then, you know, episode, I'd shoot you a link, but it's in the Shango Losis uh, podcast. There's a okay. thing about uh, getting, you know, reclaiming shit from the root ball there. It's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I'm willing to look into it myself here and later on. I get a little bit more of time, but because uh, it's not something that is pertinent right now. I'm not going to go no. like, start yeah. boiling my nothing (laughs) but i mean i'm definitely interested in knowing about it so um the next thing i want to know about i guess is uh when are they hitting you guys with testing there is it while they're still on the plant or are they testing uh after harvest uh for your thc levels so from my understanding is is that once the plant is harvested is when you go and you turn the product in to be tested for and uh register with the state as well because uh it's it's through where i'm at uh right now currently it's through a university system and so part of the university has got to go through and do some of the testing and get it done for you uh they uh it's usually after harvest like i said after it's dried that's usually when and then if you're making concentrates again after the concentrate's been made they'll, they'll test that as well 
So, um, no real secrets. <laughs> right on. Oh, I know. I asked because I know in uh, like when CD farms, they, they it's easy for them to cre- creep over there that limit as the CBD sits and dries. You know, so I know yes. in some states, you know, a little more lenient, and they're actually testing the the uh, plant like pre-harvest before it's had a chance to creep over there. I was just wondering if that was something that they instilled down there. They're allowing it sit on the shelf for a minute and almost creep over. Yeah, I really feel that um, the way the system is set up here, they they, they don't store uh, the samples very very well, uh, any samples that are set in, sent in. Um, and they're probably sitting around uh, before they actually get to them and test them too. Because again, you're, you're, you're depending on a university who is their primary function is to uh, educate, not you know run a business to, for, for hemp and for cannabis and all that stuff. So that's, that's on a back burner for them. So how long does it actually take for them to get to it? You know, I know they have like deadlines and they, they set them and they say they'll have so, so much time in their turnaround, but you know, like, in that turnaround time is, is your product sitting there like in sunlight? Is it in a heated room? Is it a temperature, temperature controlled room or not, you know? And so you don't know, even know if like the testing results they give you, if they're going to be accurate. So I feel that that's like another kind of growing pain that States are having to go through, especially if you're going to gig somebody and say that, you know, Oh, you're over on your THC. It's like, well, those results could be tainted because of your storage methods when I sent my samples in. So, you know, there's, there's that type of an argument going on uh, currently. So being able to have that uh, properly, I mean, I've heard what you're talking about where if they go in and they'll, they'll test on site. I personally haven't seen it. I personally haven't dealt with anybody who's had that, but I, I have heard that happen here in the state and in the, in the surrounding states. Personally, I think that's more of a fair method, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good with that. Them, you know, going through a field, taking some live cuttings and testing it right there, and going, "This is this is good." Harvest yeah. and do what you got to. Oh yeah. So no, what are they doing that's... down there with all that help? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. It's a little bit of a delay there. So what they're doing with the hemp is they're uh, a lot of times they're keeping a lot of the flower around to uh, become uh, pre rolls. Uh, and smokable product um around here but then like again the other thing is they like their tinctures here for some reason i i it's not like you know some people find success with that it's not really you know something i i uh buy into necessarily uh i feel you know if you're gonna have alcohol go go drink you know don't don't mix the two right there but you know if it's a concentrated form and people get results i mean that's on them you know I'm for whatever works. There's a million ways to skin this cat, but there's the salves, the lotions, the tinctures. Uh, they have drinks. They have, like I said, the pre-roll joints. You can have flour, so you can pack bowls and bongs, all that type of stuff. Uh, you can vape it. Uh, they've got uh, cartridges that have some CBD products in here. Um, the mayor of uh, the town, I'm uh, uh, the city I live in and stuff, she currently got caught during this crisis, you know, ordering food like on uh, um, from to go, and you could see her 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 CBD pen laying right next to the thing and in, in the frame of the picture. So she got caught up in that, and 
whatever i mean oh, just right. uh, yeah <laughs> that was that was cool that was but that was that was another signal to me for like our, the area i'm in to be like you know like it's it's on its way and you know not to bring up in anything bad or negative or anything but you know there are some silver linings to the situation that we're finding we're finding that you know throughout our entire uh industry that their sales have been going up sales have been going through the roof during this whole thing and everybody's just sitting at home getting baked and drinking and stuff you know so i mean like this is uh been labeled in a set one of the 16 essential industries by the federal government too so that is setting a precedence whether we know it or not and i feel that that's like a big signal that uh everything's about to really happen more so than it has we we thought we were in the green rush this is i think the virus actually kind of kick-started the green rush more than it more so than anybody could have yeah I, i'm loving it too i've noticed this just as well and in here in michigan and they're doing the same thing they're t- encouraging people to fucking stay home and uh smoke cannabis and how awesome mm-hmm. is that it's it's really yeah. cool one other one other thing I noticed about this, and I don't know if you can agree where you're at, but uh, and it, it would seem like it would be just the opposite of what they're telling us here. You know what I mean? Here they they're telling us, you know, stay home, whatever. So you would think, like, let's rewind six months ago, okay? Um, you went to Walmart and they were corralling you. You they were corralling your ass into themselves, serve fucking things. You know what I mean? So now we're supposed to be staying home and limiting human contact. So mm-hmm. you would think they'd be like, Mm-mm, over there, over there. We don't want to even touch your ass over there. We'll, we'll yeah. clean the machine when you're done. Just we'll spray it down. Go over there. But up <laughs> here, what I've noticed is, and I, I'm so glad because I won't, I don't like them damn things. You know what I mean? I'm, it's not that I'm like old school or whatever. I just, I am like, when I go to the Home Depot and get my supplies, why do I want to bring up at a machine? I'm there for a home improvement. I'm a home improvement person. That machine doesn't have a home. I want, I want to, I want somebody to ring me up that has Mm -hmm. a home. Please, I want to go to their house. And, you know, that's my thought on that. And it's the same way wherever I go. I refuse to reuse them things. But since this has gone on, I go to Walmart now, every damn teller is open. People are rushing through the lines. I'm like, this is ass backwards, but I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the self-checkouts are closed. I'm like, this is cool, man. Can can this can we just go back to this? This in itself, if things go back, you know, we'll pick up help pick up the economy, you know, putting these people back to work and you know, slowing down the machines. Any thoughts oh, on yeah. that? Are you noticing that where you're at? Are they putting the opening up the tellers again? Uh, they definitely uh, they want the the bodies on the uh, on the cash registers is what I'm noticing because that way they can just clean everything. Uh, more people are going to the uh, the checkout lines than the self checkout lines is what I've noticed because usually like I have to stand in line for the self checkout and now I don't nobody's going over there it feels like there's only a couple of people because uh 
I just don't feel like uh, people observe them being cleaned off as much as uh, as like someone who's sitting there attending their station like constantly. And, you know, they are able to sit there and clean it off every single time. And, you know, hopefully that that helps like establish a little bit more pride in like what they're doing because they're like, OK, I want to make sure my, my my station's real clean because I don't want anybody complaining about me while I'm on shift. So I, I it's. There's, there's many silver linings to this whole like kind of thing. I'm sorry, you know, people are suffering and, and, and stuff, but, uh, and people are passing away, but, uh, the, the, the ability for us to kind of like look in and take a break and, uh, connect with, uh, people like in our own local community, because none of us are getting through this by ourselves and we're all having to like have our own like little kind of group and community that we each individually have and we stay together with that are all helping each other get through this and i feel like it's creating tighter bonds as human beings between us and having us appreciate each other a lot more yeah we're really wary about getting near some people with the whole social distancing but for for us being the humans that we are when we are told not to do something we tend to want to do it anyway and so they tell us the social distance so we're actually creating better tighter connect communities that's how i feel i view it i agree i agree 100 that's exactly the way i've seen it it was weird at first but like the loves could definitely come i'm noticeably coming mm -hmm. back around people are starting to be more friendly again and uh, we're starting to get over it and that's really cool but uh, I want to get, let's get off that subject because that is a little bit better. Subject. Yeah, that's, that's a down, that's a kill. yeah, let's, let's pack a bowl and kind of get back on topic here. Right. Uh, so let's talk, I got one more uh, question for you as far as the hemp goes. And then I got some okay. other questions that we can take another area. We can take this can. Well, okay. um, my last question on the hemp was, uh, your thoughts on like a hemp based CD products versus like a cannabis CD products and our base products. Can you grow like a CBD flower down there or is it just, I, I know there's technically a difference, but how's it, how's how does that work down there? Again, uh, this goes into your testing question actually. And from what I've seen, and I've only heard people come and test early here and there, but I know for a fact that they don't test until you send the product in because there's so many people that, like I said, they grow that THC strain in their garden, get it up and running, get seeds that they want off of it or get the male or find the female enough. They have enough time between when they it harvests and they send that test result in to find out like what its content is and what it is, get that test result and they're told to destroy it so that they can get that information, that data, and be able to use it and also have the genetic material in their garden to be able to populate it with the, uh, uh, with the hemp. And they take that information and they try to, you know, hey, these, if they know what they're doing, they, they can look for the signs and use the table and charts to be able to determine like what traits can be transferred over to the hemp plant, which ones are going to be uh, dormant, which ones are going to uh, be left behind. So there's uh there's definitely some THC growing on going on growing going on down, down here but as far as like comparing uh hemp CBD to cannabis CBD hands down cannabis CBD will beat hemp CBD every day of the week um it it uh when they flip the switch uh 
you know, hemp has a place, but um, over time, I feel um, cannabis CBD will uh, win the day on that one. Because when you get like a 30 to one product uh, in the CBD and uh, in, in cannabis and within hemp, you the, the closest they've ever come to that ratio wise is like a 15 to one at the very most. And that's because it was like at the very like threshold for THC content and stuff on that one too. So it's just, it's really interesting to see like what they're doing with it. Um, again, I, and this is my own personal experience and my own observation from consuming one product and consuming another for me, hemp, it has its place again. But if I take a pre-roll hemp joint and I smoke down the whole thing, I feel pretty relaxed after it. It's not like, you know, obviously not THC, but then I end up passing out for the next eight hours. I just straight to sleep, big ass weed nap. And, uh, with the THC flower, I, uh, CBD, I don't get that at all, you know? Um, and I feel maybe more, more or less that's because you, you, you have the, the hybrid, uh, aspect and maybe just a sativa there's and some of them and everything. And there's more upper, that uh, helps cancel out some of the down. But even when I have a high intensity indica and it's not a full on like uh, mixed hybrid leaning towards the sativa uh, and it's that more heavier couch lock, I still don't get like the tiredness that I get off of the, uh, um, off of the hemp. Uh, Cause that's just, uh, if you ask Sergeant Pepper, I take a dab and it's pretty much lights out for me after that. I want to take a nap. <laughs> he seen me like nod out in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there talking to him and everything so that's uh uh how sensitive i am to like uh the uh cannabis flower and so when i go to hemp and it makes me do that and uh cannabis flower doesn't always make me do that it's, it's uh very noticeable for me so i think people with insomnia definitely can benefit from hemp a lot better than they could from uh uh thc cannabis but um that's just my own opinion so let's uh talk about breeding that's another thing i need credit here uh have you bred some strains and what have you bred and uh what strains uh would you like to breed breed with all that can you you want to touch on that a little bit yeah, so uh, it's been a while since uh, I, I've done a little breeding, but uh, I've had projects here and there. Um, I uh, I was in the service, and I brought back some seeds from uh, Afghanistan, and uh, I was able to uh, pheno hunt a pretty uh, good male and female, and then uh, I had was gifted a clone of um, Pineapple Express, and that was... Uh, you know, Pineapple Express is more of a sativa-heavy strain, but uh, this one flowered out within nine weeks, which is something I really enjoyed about it. And it had this great fucking stinky pineapple sweet flavor to it. And so I took the mail that I had from my, uh, what I call Purple Kush, essentially, because the, uh, the place where I got these seeds literally had the biggest colas i've ever seen in my life the entire plant from about like six inches from where the stalk came out of the ground from there all the way to the top it was almost like one continuous cola and you just barely saw the leaf tips sticking out on the sides and i just still to this day i've never seen anything like it, it was just a giant column of dark 
purple bud and i uh i didn't have a great success growing that in by itself but when i crossed it with a pineapple express i mean you can see pictures on my instagram page uh it's that really purple uh bud that's down there and so i called that uh um, my purple pineapple kush and it was uh, really, really potent. It was uh, made some really good concentrate as well. Uh, made some like uh, different types of uh, BHO type concentrate off of it. But um, I uh, went on a uh, deployment after that for a contract. Uh, I was a con uh, military contractor for a little bit and I came back and the, uh, the, uh, the X was gone. She had my power of attorney and all the money was gone. The lights were off in the house. But yeah, you know the story. So I went down to the garden and everything was just dead. And so that strain is lost to that uh, right there. But um, I've done um, some Casey Jones. Um, I took that and uh, I had gotten a clone from locally from the Genesee County area. And then I went back and bought some seeds of it. And then I just like bred it back into itself, stabilized it a little bit. So I've done some more stabilization kind of projects. Uh, my uh, one right there that I told you that crossed from some seeds from Afghanistan to a really good strain that I liked uh, here in the States and stuff. So that was like my, my bigger one right there. I've had a couple others, but nothing really to kind of write home about. Uh, you know, you, you, it's, it's a hit or miss kind of game sometimes, uh, especially when you're learning uh, later on when you, uh, when you get better at it. Definitely. Uh, you can talk about it a little bit more, but you know, my, my, my thing is, uh, I would talk about some more of the strains, but, uh, I kind of want to have more, uh, exposure to them. I want to have uh, the product actually there and available to represent itself. Not just me, like talk about it. Have you ever had seven, uh, some of the 710s, uh, red pop there, that strain he runs that red pop. Yeah. Yeah. I have had that one. Um, definitely uh some little bit of controversy i guess swirling around that one but you know whatever there oh, uh, it's i know both sides i know both sides so i know the controversy <laughs> i know the i, I know yeah so uh, yeah yeah we're not gonna get into that one <laughs> that's a prickly subject no but uh yeah basically to say, it's a good strain and he likes to breed with it yeah yes he does whatever yeah, you know, whatever anybody has to say about it. That was just wondering if that was something that, uh, since you hit with A to B, if you were something that would, you'd work with since you. I would like to say yes, I would work with it because I've literally watched it when it was two different strains before they came together as well. Um, and I've just, I, I watched that progression happen and it was just like, it is great. And just to see between, even with the controversy, it just adds to the, to the uh, infamy of the thing, you know? So whoever's right, whoever has what, whoever had what beforehand, it doesn't really fucking matter because it all helps you fucking sell it in the end for both parties. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It makes it a hell of an extract. It does. It <laughs> really does. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, I uh, I helped him out um, at, at some uh, at some of the cups and everything too, and we uh, definitely uh, definitely got some samples. 
This stuff was really good. You, Kane, I, I can't believe we haven't passed cross paths, brother. We seem like we know some uh, some of the same peoples here. I've actually uh, smoked some of your humbled uh, pie. Uh, you gave a bag to Med at uh, what was it? Um, it was Kushstock. And we came by, I shook your hand, said, what's up? You're over there at the TGA booth. And uh, uh, we went uh, back over to the Ocean Grown booth and he showed it to Shrimp and we all uh, like smoked off of that. It was pretty good. Hell yeah. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah, Appreciate yeah man. That. God, that was, yeah. A, that, was a year, that was a year ago now. That, that's a year ago Monday. It's pretty awesome. I'm glad to hear that story. I mean, uh, I it was a pretty busy day. I seen a lot of people that day, but I'm glad that uh, you had that. You know, it's good to hear that story. I I, it's not yeah. that often you get to hear stories like that. But I'm glad you got to uh, at least sample some and uh, smoke it. I'm always glad to hear people's opinion on the flower. That's for sure. Oh yeah, no, I I definitely uh, like that too. It's always it's always really interesting, like uh when you uh go into a room and you realize somebody has some of you, you don't know how they got it but they have some of your product and they're sitting there smoking like yeah man i got this and like they, they're sitting there telling like this the story about where it came from and like what the dude told them that they got it from and you're sitting there like motherfucker that's mine i grew that shit in my basement like i know where that shit came from but you don't say anything you just want to listen you're just like oh yeah what what else you know <laughs> My favorite line is, uh, I say this a lot too. I heard it in a burner song. As uh, fucking people ask you, you know, what do you smoke? And, uh, and uh, Burner says this word for word in song. He's like, this shit right here, you can't even buy it yet. <laughs> and that's a lot of times that shit's true because a lot of what I got going are fucking <laughs> testers. And I always tell them, man. Here you hit this, but chances are you brought, you won't even hear about this for at least another year or so, and then you'll you'll hear about it, and then you'll think, "Oh man, I smoked that a long time ago." Oh yeah, <laughs> very true. No, it definitely is. Yeah, I uh, I remember uh, being able to uh, test a couple strains, and then like you you see it uh, finally hit the market, and then like you have to wait like six to eight months before that starts hitting the shelf after the seed hits the sh- after the seeds get released and then everybody starts talking about it, like oh this new strain and to you you're just like yeah it's not new that's like two years old now at this point <laughs> i know i got to drop primal punch here in michigan i think it was like almost the same time Ed got to actually get it out to his patients which was way ahead of the release way man least michigan was smoking on the primal punch so yeah it's it's always a good thing man you gotta be cool with your breeder though don't ever step on your breeder's toes about that no definitely yeah you don't you don't want to step on their toes but you know drama happens in life so we'll see what happens with everybody in this in this in this uh industry it's really curious to see how everybody's uh maturity levels vary and differ and who all everybody's from all walks of life and everything and it's just interesting to see how it all kind of comes together um i i really like have a lot of respect and just like want to uh want uh good for everybody that's in this industry because like i keep saying there's a million ways to skin the cat 
you know, there's no, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong in this. Everybody has their own way. Everybody has their own path within it, you know, and those that are still standing when the music stops, I mean, you know, good on them. And, you know, I wish well to everybody who, you know, wants to put their hat in the ring for this industry, but, you know, we all, we all have to live and work with each other. So let's like get along while we're doing it. I 100% agree. I, you know, you, everybody needs to put their egos aside a little bit and uh, learn yeah. some shit from each other and just have some fun. I mean, that's what the whole planet, you know, is about. I, I personally, you know, people kind of say whatever they want about these events, high times, they cost too much, they've been here too much. Yeah, maybe so. But I'll pay that cost almost every time to go hang out with 10,000 cool-ass cannabis smokers. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it sucks, but, I mean, who else is putting together, you know, 10, 15,000 people in a cool-ass band, you know, for a, it ain't that bad, really, so, you know what I'm saying? It is oh, yeah. a bit of a, you know, carnival's coming to town type thing, but, man, I'm gonna go. I go to the carnival. Why wouldn't I go to the fucking tie times thing, you know Oh, yeah. No. And then also going to a high times event in Michigan is definitely a, a must. I feel if you're if you're a smoker, uh, you guys definitely have it good up there when it comes to the openness of the environment and culture. Um, it's uh, definitely different other places. And you hear you hear this from uh, all the other like the breeding companies, the people that come from out west and everything. They're just like, man, coming coming here to the Michigan Cup and going to the Emerald Cup. Those are those are the ones we look forward to. Those are the ones we love to go to. So it's just like, if you have a chance, apparently, you know, according to those guys between the Michigan and I can speak for the Michigan one, definitely, but I don't know about the Emerald cup. Like those are the, those are the ones apparently hit up. And, uh, I've been trying to hopefully cross my fingers, you know, cup season's pretty much canceled, but you know, I'm hoping and praying that, uh, they'll, uh, they'll still have the Emerald cup because maybe I can, uh, just go to that one instead since we can't go to all these other ones. <clears throat> That'd be an epic one there. I mean, that's like one of the epic ones right there. I mean, if it you to pick one to go to, I mean, that'd be a pretty awesome one to go to. Yeah. Uh, it, but, you know, that's the only one I really kind of have hope for because, you know, like it's, it's in December usually I feel. And so we'll see. We'll see. Um, there's some people I'd want to go there with, but you know, they've got uh, other obligations and stuff during that time. So, uh, I, like Sergeant Pepper, I'd want, I'd want to go roll around there and stuff uh, with him. Uh, definitely have him show me around. Those are his old stomping grounds in that side of the the, 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 the country. But uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be uh, interesting to see how everything develops here. I definitely want to get out to see everybody and, uh, you know, say at least say hi to some people and stuff at some of these events. But um you know, that's why we have IG. That's why we have YouTube. We, you know, we're going to sit here and do what we've always done. You know, we all are a bunch of homebodies anyway, because we're all attending the, the grows or plants or sitting there like, who's got the next video? Where's the next bit of information and the little gold nugget I can find in this paper that I'm reading about, like, whatever nutrients that you want to use are. So it's a really interesting time to kind of just sit here and sit back and reflect and make sure you're doing what you need to do, I feel. Sorry, I'm rambling now. I'm stoned. <laughs> oh, this is uh, this is good stuff, buddy. I'm enjoying myself 100. 
Yes. In fact, I'm hoping that you'll take a big, big rip, and uh, I've got some more uh, stuff I want to ask you about. Yeah. Okay. Everybody in chat, take big rip, and uh, let's see what you guys are smoking on. He's taking a hit and getting his breath here. Boom Farms, Red Setter, Aldrich 25, Smoking Joe Fraser. How you guys doing? Light it up, Tim. My little girl, Lexi. How you doing? John Ramberg, hello. Spineyard Kruger, hello. How are you doing tonight? <coughs> Charlie's Farms, Ace's brother. Love to have you here. Ah. Uh, Michelle F. Iberson. I hope I didn't put you that too bad. Fiber Optic. What's good? All you guys, welcome tonight. <laughs> See what you guys are smoking on. Please throw that up in chat. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to throw that up in there as well. You good, brother? Right. Yeah, man. I actually have a question for you now. Uh, so... I have a few people asking me this, you know, they're asking me like, Hey man, you know, it's a uh, 420. Like, can you help me make some edibles and everything? Like I, it's been a while since I made edibles. So what are the correct ratios when you're making butter? Um, do you, have you made butter before? Like what, uh, like how many pounds of butter to like say ounces? Uh, um, let's see here. I do make a lot of butter here. And okay. I use my magic butter machine. I use the okay. magic butter machine when I make the butter. And I usually, you know, they suggest anywhere from one gram to seven. And I usually make mine a little bit stronger than that. I usually go, let's see, about eight sticks. So about two pounds of butter. And I usually go right about seven, eight grams. I like it heavy. That okay. way I can store it a little bit longer and then I can uh, use half as much and, and introduce a little bit more butter. You know what I mean? So it's just as yeah. strong as it would be like a weaker butter, but mm -hmm. more of a concentrated form. That way you can keep more for longer. You know what I'm saying? And then also okay. yeah. the benefit of that is uh, <clears throat> you wouldn't, uh, you get, they're less weedy tasting. So you get more of a yeah. concentrate in there and you can bring more butter or whatever in. And uh, they taste a little bit better that way. And uh, okay. the other way, uh, you can use the magic butter in the same way, too, with uh, coconut oil. You can put a uh, coconut oil in there, run it through, let it chop it up, and uh, strain it out. And then uh, you can use that for cakes or whatever. Actually, the body itself likes the, cocoa, uh, the uh, coconut oil better. It soaks better into the fats, and your body takes in the fats better. It's a lot better delivery of the system, the coconut oil. And okay. you can do that. You can either make the butter like that, or if you've got access to, like, some bubble hash, you can always uh, take, like, some good full uh, full melt, take a gram, and just, like, throw it in some skillet and kind of heat up the oil and watch that full melt, you know, dissipate in the butter, give it a quick whisk, or uh, the oil, I'm sorry. And yeah. then uh, do whatever you have to do with it. Make a cake or whatever. So there's a couple good uh, quick delivery methods there. You know, that's okay. what I do. I always like to, to add the soy lichen too. Uh, Magic Butter suggests that, and it's again, if you're not using the, the coconut oil, it's a binding agent. And it just helps you process it. It does intensify it, they say, a little bit. But I think that's just more along the lines of you just being able to process it better. You know what I mean? Because it yes. helps. It's a binding agent. It helps 
like the fat spine and whatnot. So if you're going to make, I suggest, if you're going to make the butter, I, uh, I suggest toss it in a couple of teaspoons of the light and soy light. And again, magic okay. uh, butter has got a good recipe for this. But that's what I use. I like it strong and I like to cut it back. Okay. Uh, nice. Tips there. So say if someone's using a crock pot, isn't that kind of like what the magic butter thing is kind of a little bit it's like a miniature crock pot almost but it's got kind of like a little whisk thing or stir mechanism in it well if you're going to use the crock pot i would suggest you uh either be using trim or you know chop them buds up really nice so you get a good saturation um and stir it quite often the magic butter is a it's a great machine because you can actually just chuck butt in there and it's got uh it heats it up and then there's a blade in there that chops that shit up so oh, it brings okay. it up to temperature and then like every few minutes i think it's like every five minutes it'll turn on and uh, stir things and grind things up for you wing, 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 wing. and then it'll shut back up and it shut off and then it'll sit for a while it, the whole process in the magic butter thing is like two hours from start to finish and then you take that off and, you know, your plastic, you know, spatula. And the same thing with your, it's a little longer. If you're going to go the prop, prop, what method, I would probably let it go for at least four hours. You know, lower, try to get it up, work slowly, work it up to about 180. And then, you know, a couple hours at that. And, and you know, let it sit like that. But the magic okay. butter machine, it, you know, it actually, it's a set and forget type thing. You just put yeah. it in there, you know, you you hit the button and it actually beeps and you just come back and it's like, okay, my butter's done. And then, uh, what I suggest, they, they, there's a couple of different methods for, um, uh, straining that out. And the best method I have found is like, you can go to Walmart and they sell like a jelly strainer is what they call it. It's you find it like in the canning goods. Yeah. And it's, I know it's, uh, about. It's like a little tripod. It sits on the bowl there, and it, you put the bag in there, and it actually ties up nice and tight so you don't have to worry about the bag dropping. And you can actually just dump that magic butter thing in there. And absolutely, bare, you know, I would say you're going to strain out 96% of it. If anything gets by that bag, it's going to be minimal, very, very minimal. And then uh, at that point, you know, after things stop dripping and you pushed it out with your, you know, whatever spo- uh, spoon, whatnot, I like to put on some gloves and just squeeze the heck out of that bag. There's still a lot left in there. And yeah. I've actually seen people go back and uh, like boil it and uh, try to get them because you can take that bag again or that material one more time. And put it in a, like a smaller pot of water and then uh, boil it again and then strain it one more time. Uh, you probably reuse that bag again and then freeze that. And then all the fats and the butter will actually dry on top or sit on top and form. You can just like scoop that usable butter off the top of the water. Uh, if you were trying to get like 100% out of that. Yeah, and, uh, no, yeah. I see. I see what you're saying. Man, that but I, you, you're, I, you're you're on that. You do that all the time, obviously. <laughs> I've done it a few times, and I, I'm a funny story about that is uh, before and again when I started this process, and I still when I do it, it's for myself. But the first mm. few times when I got the magic butter machine, I uh, did not think <clears> about <throat> the gloves and uh, grabbed that ball 
and just squeeze the shit out of it and just, you know, butter running down, you know, between my fingers. And, you know, obviously I've washed up when I'm cleansing, I'm cook, you know, I'm saying yeah. that, you know, I do it in a good kitchen and uh, squeeze the heck out of that thing. And I didn't think about the butter running down my arm and going into my skin. And boy, I got tore up from all that yeah. butter just soaking into my hands and arm <laughs> and whatnot. I didn't. Oh man! So, so definitely uh, put them gloves on when you're squeezing out that ball there. But, uh, okay. Yeah, that's a good tip. I I I I'll, <laughs> unless, I'll, of course, I'll keep... unless of course you want that ride. <laughs> I'll I'll keep that information to myself, but I'll pass on everything else about doing it except that to the people that are going to do it. Just just so like I can ask them. So how was that? <laughs> <laughs> Messed All up, right, but, now my know. question. I got some questions for you. Is uh, hopefully you'll want to answer them. I see yeah. uh, on your title there, uh, Parrot Trooper is another one. I know you there's some good and bad stories about this, but I've always uh, I've always wanted to jump out of a plane. I've yet to do it. I've been bungee jumping. I've jumped off a lot of shit bungee jumping, but I've yet to just go jumping out of a plane. So uh, if you if you awesome can bungee that shit. It's 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 intense. I, I love it. But if you can bungee jump, you can jump out of a plane, bro. Uh, honestly, it takes a lot of balls to bungee jump. That was something like I did right before I went into the service because I was just like I had airborne in my contract. A uh, few people in my family have been in the airborne already before me. So it was just kind of like, all right, I should probably go do that just so, I, you know, like I don't have them one upping me at, at the holidays. And stuff. <laughs> so I, I, but I was like, I'm definitely afraid of heights. So like, I was like, man, how the fuck am I going to get over this? So I, my answer was going to the bungee jumping and scared shitless. You, you know, when you're just sitting there and it's on you to just let go finally, and just let yourself like tip just that little bit further than you're used to. And to let it all happen that, that that's where, you know, like, I, I got scared shitless when I was bungee jumping when I did it. But, uh, you know, once you go through the training and everything, uh, it, by the time you jump out of the plane the first time in airborne school, you're like, let's just get this fucking over with. So it doesn't, like the first jump doesn't even really like phase you. It's just more or less kind of like, a, okay, this is what's to expect. The second jump, you're more alert because you've done it and you're just like, oh shit oh shit, I'm going to jump out of a fucking plane, man. Like, damn. You know, so it, it was kind of a delayed reaction because it's like literally the third week of like, you've been the, uh, for about two weeks, you've been running all day, every day, screaming airborne, how you're going to jump and learn how to fall on yourself and just like hitting the ground every time you jump onto the ground, like a million times a day, as hard as like a fucking sack of shit. So you finally get to that point in that first jump and you're just like, it's a, it's more of a release and a relief at that point. And that second one, that's, that's the one that gets you. And then uh, your first nighttime jump. And then uh, the first time you have a malfunction, that's always, always fun. Um, I, uh, it might actually happen in airborne school. I rolled off the side of a plane and uh, it twisted up my lines and my stat, my, my lines uh, between me and uh, my uh, parachute. So I have to pull my risers right here and kick your feet in a bicycle fashion and because like i twisted them up and when you do that it'll untwist you you'll swing around and i was sitting there like pedaling as hard as i fucking could and i finally got it undone and i got like everything done i was like what the fuck just happened and i'm just sitting there like 
why does this feel so different other than that? And then all of a sudden, like, I start feeling my head, and I was just like, oh, shit, my fucking helmet's gone. <laughs> my helmet popped off during this whole thing. I hit the side of the plane, and I guess, like, it ripped off my helmet as my parachute deployed. Um, but the thing is, like, you have a chin strap, and it's all sealed up and everything. And if it's done up the right way, it's supposed to be fastened. So normally that happening, it should have like broke my jaw or something like that. But a screw failed in the bolt in the Kevlar helmet because it had been used in so many training sessions before me that it just stripped out and ripped the chin strap off, allowing it to just break away free. So I got like real lucky on that one. And we ended up finding the helmet on the ground on the drop zone afterwards. I got down there and I was just like, hey, uh, what do I do? Um, I lost my helmet to like this other guy who was in like ranger school training. He was just out there like as a detail. It's like a chore for him pretty much. He's like, you lost your helmet? How the fuck do you do that? So I went to the story and everything. He's like, you know what? I did hear this loud thud over there not too long ago. Really? It's like, dude, would you help me look? He's like, yeah. And we went over there and sure as shit. Not like 300 yards away from where I landed was the fucking helmet. It was cracked in half, but it, it burned in and then uh, hit the ground. So amazing that you just even found it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty crazy. You no, know, because like I was so worried that they were going to kick me out of airborne school for losing my equipment. Because <laughs> like I've seen people that like, get kicked out of airborne school for not folding their fucking bed right, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like oh shit man i made it all this way it's my third jump and i'm gonna get gigged over this dumb shit fuck no but like they were just like no nah, we wouldn't nothing would have happened we would have fucked with you we would have smoked the dog shit out of you for losing it but we wouldn't have we wouldn't have kicked you out of everyone's school <laughs> so just want to say good night charlie's fire <laughs> 420 thanks for tuning in oh man you know what i want to say though uh, what a great, you know, if I'm going to be in the service, I guess if I'm going to go in, I guess that's the fucking way I'd want to go in. I mean, talk about being, amping your way up for a, a, an entry there. Because I know bungee jumping, when I bungee jump, you know, fuck, you don't even need coffee for like the next week. You just think about yeah. that fall and it's like, boom, you're good. So I can only imagine like, uh, and I don't know if I said this, but, uh, you know, thank you with much respect for you, for, uh, your time and your service. Uh, but I can't, uh, I can't think of a better way to go in than fucking, uh, you know, come flying in like that, you know, all fucking adrenaline, just fucking, you know, that's the way to yeah. go in. If you're going after the bad guy, you're going in fucking running fully amp like that. So that's pretty badass, brother. Much respect. And, uh, like, again, thank you. I appreciate but, uh, it. Yeah, if you ever come to Michigan, I'm always looking for somebody because, like, everybody I ask is either like, no, or I've been and I don't want to again. So if you come up to Tennessee County and uh, you're going to be here for a minute or whatever and you want to, like, hook up and do this, I'd be more than down to uh, take a fall with you. Yeah, man, definitely. I've been actually trying to uh, get a group of people to go skydiving. Uh, have, I've been having this urge to want to fall out of the out, out of the uh, sky again lately, and uh, especially with everything that's been going on again. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we'll try to see uh, where and when it can happen. 
hopefully a lot of those people are up here so it happens up here but <laughs> they're all they're all down here they're all down here but they all they all want to go up to uh the canada's country so it, it could it could be uh, argued to go do the skydive in michigan <laughs> I could I could make it worth everybody's while when they got here. Oh yeah, could, you know no. it could be a, a fun time once they got here for sure. Oh yeah, but, no, uh, that especially skydive. Oh, I, that would be completely badass. I'm I'm down. I'm serious, man. If you're thinking about doing that and you want to book like a Groupon up here or whatever, yeah, count on me. I'm yeah, I'm already signed up. All right, yeah, definitely. That's that's what I've been trying to do is get that group that group rate going because uh, we can all save a couple hundred dollars by doing that probably to collectively. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, get that going. Have you, and you you haven't jumped out? You haven't done tandem jump or anything before? No, no. So no? I had okay. to do that first. Get the, work that in before you get here. Or would that like uh, I just no, have to no, distract no, to we, somebody when we go? Yeah, we'll all do it because it's been a while since I jumped. I have to I have to start some from scratch. Uh, my license is expired now at this point. I, I was an assistant instructor for a little bit. It makes me feel a little safer. Well, actually, you've got lots of experience. <laughs> it sounds like jumping out of planes. So, yeah, I, I'm totally. I, uh, That's something that I've always wanted to talk about crossing things off that bucket list. I'd be, yeah, that'd be badass. Yeah, I, uh, I, I have to warn you, though, once you get up there, it's addicting. You're going to want to keep going and it's, it's pricey, but you know, if you uh, go for that, uh, uh, accelerated free fall license, the AFF, uh, the class is like six to eight hours long. And then, uh, you do your first like two training jumps and you jump with an instructor, uh, on either side, you have your own parachute and they hang on to your, uh, uh, to your, to your shoot and everything. And they'll, the first one, it's kind of a fun one. You know, you just kind of enjoy things and, uh, the primary instructor will pull the hacky. It's not. It's not a pull like this. There's like a little hacky in the bottom hack tray, and like they pull that hacky and they pull it out. The drone chute pulls out and it pulls your chute for you. And uh, so they'll they'll do that. And then the second one, you have to pull it at that point. If you don't pull it on one of the first two ones, they're going to make you repeat it again, and that's just money, you know. So it's all like that's what I love about skydiving. When you're up there, it's all on you. Like it's all up to you to make sure it happens. There's a finite amount of time. There's commands that you have to take from the instructors. There's no voice. It's all hand signals. You got to look at your altimeter. You got to look at your heading and direction. Like there's a bunch of stuff you have to take into account once you start going for for that accelerated free fall. So I'm warning you. Once once you do it, it gets addicting, and you're gonna have to learn oh, a whole already, new language. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm already there. I had that kind of personality anyway. With the bungee jumping, I was like, yeah. anytime. And to this day, if I would be driving down the road right now and like bungee jumping, I'd be like, <laughs> how much money I got in my wallet? I think I might be able to pull this off. Yeah. <laughs> but no, same thing. Same yeah, that's how I am. I, I've been for sure. Uh, yeah, I could. I can see diving in full, being a general and junkie and wanting to go forth on that. Yeah. Just, it's no, been finding trouble finding somebody, but if I could find somebody that get, you know, that get me over that edge, I'd definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah. I no, wait. I mean, the hydroponic store that I mentioned, one of the owners, he, he does skydiving. He, he would do it with you if, uh, if uh, we don't make it up there. 
I believe I know exactly who you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, cool. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool that we, like you said earlier, it's cool that like we know a bunch of the same people. But uh, so the other, the other thing yeah. I guess other than parachuting, I wanted to hit base was uh, well, tell me about you got chef on there. Go, you cook up some food over there. Yeah, I actually earlier I had mentioned I was working at the uh, uh, Marriott uh, there for a little while down in uh, Ohio. Uh, I'll leave the specific city out of it, but uh, it's just uh. I like. Hello. Still there? Yeah, you're still here. Okay, cool. Sorry, I had a blow power setting. Yeah, so I worked at the uh, Marriott in Ohio, and so I uh, that's when I started growing indoors, is because they had that price cap on me and stuff. That's what uh, pushed me to do that, uh, to to go that direction and uh, come down this path. But I definitely love to cook. Uh, grew up in the Midwest. So my grandma was always getting us up early, uh, cooking breakfast, uh, and then just watched her. Like she had, we had a huge family. So there's always like at least 30 people at like our holidays and stuff. Usually on Sundays, there's a massive group of people there too. And it's just insane to watch how much food that she made for everybody. And they, uh, that's where I learned how to cook. It's just like big, huge family gatherings. And uh, I have an aunt that my uncle brought back from Korea. Uh, she taught me how to do a bunch of Korean cooking. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of uh, Lebanese and Middle Eastern people in the areas that like we lived in up there in the Detroit and Toledo areas and stuff. So uh, my stepmom's from Lebanon and like I got a bunch of Middle Eastern cooking background. Uh, and then my uh, uncle married a, a someone who was from the south and you know i learned uh, some southern cooking and then i moved to the south and i learned all about like barbecue and everything like that down here and then just going around traveling uh for the military uh learned a few more different styles here and there and just kind of put it to use when i went to uh the marriott i'd worked in catering kitchens before that and that's kind of how i got my start and i don't know i just like to cook uh i don't really like cooking on a line in a corporate kitchen it kind of killed my soul on that but uh kills the passion because you know the passion becomes a job and if you can't enjoy enjoy it when it's a job it's not really a passion anymore but i still love to cook we also share something there as well because I, I was a greek cook at the parthenon there for a long time and i also uh cook mexican food as well uh, authentic Mexican food, I, you know, not just yeah. like cheap shit. I can cook. Yeah. yeah, I was taught by some some good people on how to cook good authentic Mexican food. Nice. Uh, so, and same thing with Greek food. Uh, I can cook up some great uh, Greek dishes as well. So, what are your favorite type of? Uh, what's your favorite dishes? You you know, if you're gonna invite some people over and you want them to wow them up, what the hell are you gonna put on the table? I do some Korean barbecue or some Southern barbecue. Um, I, I like to make ribs or pulled pork or like bagogi or like pork bagogi because you have beef bagogi, which is kind of like a sweet savory. And then you have pork bagogi, which is more of like a spicy. And then uh, I'll make those, make those into like lettuce wraps. So that's, that's always usually a big one. Then like, I like to make like pho and, uh, 
Faso, <laughs> however you pronounce it, I don't know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the uh, I, I definitely like to uh, make like the noodle soups and stuff like that. I actually have a picture of that uh, of some ramen that I made uh, on my IG. Um, there's like some beef and some chicken, some seafood in it, and egg, and avocado, cilantro, all that stuff. So I really like Asian. I, I won't lie. I, I'd probably more or less do like the Asian stuff, but uh, I uh, I can make a bunch of different like meatloafs and everything too. I know it doesn't look like ooh meatloaf, but I can make like a Greek meatloaf, I can make a, uh, a normal like Italian meatloaf, I can make an Asian meatloaf, I can make a Mexican meatloaf. So like, it's kind of like one of those ones that's just very versatile. You can turn it into anything. Oh, I agree. I agree. Actually, one of the best meatloafs I ever made, I was uh, strapped for some uh, breadcrumbs and I ended up having to use some salad croutons. I think they're like uh, Caesar croutons. And it just yeah. turned out to be delicious. Yeah, nice. it, was, uh, it was one of the better meatloafs I ever made. Hell yeah! But uh, so what else? What else you like cook over there? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I can get a little fancy with stuff. Like I can make like a duck croquette. I can make some osabuco. Uh, I can uh do like uh eggplant parmesan or veal parmesan. Uh, making my uh do the uh thin sliced cutlets and stuff um make sushi uh i don't know <laughs> it's a pretty big uh menu though as it is man you played out quite a palette there quite a yeah quite a menu yeah i try to i try to bounce around uh there's like you know everybody tries to identify with a certain style or like whatever you know their specialty is and I would more or less say like, you know, you have that term down home cooking and you kind of think, you know, like big portions, like, like makes you feel like comforted and at home and everything like that. So I kind of like use that, like, uh, that term, like down home international is kind of my style, you know, like I can mix and match and do fusion of a bunch of different ones where I can like isolate and just kind of take flavors from that region or that style and put them together in a dish. But I like, I really like to make my own dishes. I don't really follow recipes. Want to give Fumador a shout out? Fumador from Embracing Organics, and of course, he's got his show on YouTube every week. Just popped in, say hello to everybody. Need to go back and watch the beginning of this, brother. You missed most of a great, great episode. I hope you go back and uh, check out the rest of this. Uh, but I do so appreciate you popping in, brother. I'm gonna try to get you to get on. So I just wanted to throw that out. I had you right there, and I knew you were listening. Your invite's still good, brother. Your invite's still good. So, Kana Trooper, have you enjoyed uh, your interview tonight? Have you had fun uh, coming on the show? Oh, yeah. No, I would definitely appreciate it. Yeah, definitely would. Uh I definitely come back. Uh, I know you see you're having that uh, 420. What is it? A marathon going on on Monday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna that that's gonna be a long one because it actually starts uh, tomorrow at nine o'clock and runs all the way to midnight Monday night. Oh man! Yeah, I'm not gonna. 
I wouldn't ditch the good people over there at the Michigan Bros Grow Show. I love got much love for you guys, so I'm, I wouldn't ditch out on you guys for that. So then after <laughs> that, uh, me and Dan, Dankman Dan, will be on kicking it off, and uh, so I'm still on the fence about which uh, charity exactly why we're doing this for because uh, I've tried all week. You would think this would be like super easy. Hey, we've got you know a good thing going here. We're trying to raise some money for a good cause. Can it be you? But nobody's in the offices this week. Yeah, <laughs> and I've been calling and calling and calling and i called um <coughs> excuse me urban meds up here in northern michigan today who uh they deal with a lot of hemp and uh, cbd stuff and i figured they were good uh good in on uh, a charity and he gave me a couple good leads hopefully uh he can come through tomorrow with uh, a good link for us you know to kick things off with uh he came up if, if all goes well, we'll be uh, helping out some homeless children here in Michigan with uh, shelter and clothes. That's hopefully the goal. But if that doesn't work out, then I'm just going to, I'm still going to go through as planned and just ask everybody to uh, pick out a charity and, you know, do something good. You know, it doesn't have to be mine, but uh, yeah. either way, it's going to go on. So yeah, oh, all the way from tomorrow nine o'clock to Monday night, uh, we'll be live, <laughs> interviewing okay, people cool. throughout the day and night. Uh, we got a bunch of cool people coming. Uh, Pagroli, Med Grower One, Pedro's Grow Room will be here. Lost Leaf, Smiley's Farm, Skillbo, all the good folks over there. Michigan Grows Grow Show. Uh, a bunch of the past guests will be on, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to pull more, a couple more aces out to uh, spread out through the day there. But so far, it's a pretty full day, and you know, a lot of people have thrown their support behind this, and it wasn't hard to, uh, to get people involved, and I hope that uh, a lot of good comes out of it. Yeah, busy day yeah. there. Yeah, no, you it wanna, sounds uh, like it. You want Sit through my shameless plug here for a second. We'll talk about uh for a second who's coming up in the next week. Yeah, man, go for Since it. Go we've for already it. a little bit on the subject here. We've got, of course, who we had you, well, my excellent uh, guest tonight was Cannon Trooper. Tomorrow night we'll have Dank Man Dan uh, from around the community. He's a grower, a growski from the Michigan Bros Grow Show Circle. Much love for him, uh, Michigan native. He'll be uh, here helping me kick off the, the event, the marathon. And then, uh, of course, we'll be going all day <clears throat> Monday. So I'll probably tune off Monday night at 12. And anybody that wants, you know, interest in content, there's <laughs> plenty that they can go back through and uh, rewatch, you know, Monday night instead of uh, the normal show. But then again, I'll be back uh, Tuesday. And uh, it, it's me, 420 girl, will be here. She's a breeder out of Canada and grower as well. She will be here. And then uh, Wednesday will be Country Roots LTD will be here talking to me, a little bit of organics and uh, all that good stuff. And then uh, let's see here. It should be Thursday. Yep, Thursday. Husky Gardens will be here. Uh, telling us about his uh, grow and what he's got going on. 
And then uh, YouTuber, grower, uh, Scarecrow420 will be popping in on uh, Friday and uh, telling us about uh, you know his YouTube channel, what he's got going on. And then uh, Black Sail Light Company will be here uh, Saturday fucking uh, talking shit with us. So that's the yeah. next week we got going on. So uh, get- is there anybody? Uh, you- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, you're going to give yourself some time to recover after your uh, marathon, or are you just going to go straight into the next day and have that interview? I'm going to go, I'll probably pass out right after, you know, uh, the 12 <laughs> o'clock and get my rest and then uh, be back on Tuesday night. You know, that's the oh, point. Man. Right back at it Tuesday. That's crazy. Sleep to the grind, man. It's the only way to keep it going, I think. Oh, yeah. So you got some shout outs and uh, some people you'd like to, uh, as well as yourself, make sure and plug yourself all the way through this. But uh, you got some people you want to yeah. thank and give shout outs to and all that good shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sergeant Pepper 420, uh, obviously. Uh, see, uh, Limited. Uh, there's uh, Amazing Guru. Uh, we got uh, Dr. Budswell. Uh, help people uh sorry i didn't really have shout outs kind of planned out for it so uh but yeah uh mike's time is here uh he's kind of a, a buddy i've had there for a little while there um but yeah man uh that's uh, a few of the guys that uh kind of chat around with here and there don't forget yourself and uh, of course that cult uh consulting yeah. uh business no, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, Canon Trooper Cultivations. Uh, yeah, that's a consulting business. We uh, do, I uh, do the phone consult uh, consultations, and I can come in person as well, depending on where you're at. So if you want to hit me up, just uh, drop me a message at the Canon Trooper Instagram page, and uh, we can talk further on what potential possibilities we could uh, work out. Hell yeah. So there's a you, you obviously hopefully hopefully have watched the show and you know what I'm building up to here because I asked I've missed a few and I've kicked myself as soon as I hit that off the air button I'm like God damn it I missed it but yeah. you know what I want though yeah yeah no. what are you doing and where are you at today can you give me that sound boy. Uh, I actually don't, uh, I hadn't seen the end of the episodes, to be honest. Ah. Uh, you caught me. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. What I want you to do and what I want you to say is, uh, exactly who you are. The, like, take the typical radio, uh, setup here. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm Canada Trooper. I'm on. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. So I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. no, I I'm Canna Trooper. I'm uh, on Instagram. Uh, don't have a YouTube page set up, but uh, hopefully in the future we'll get that going. And uh, that's pretty much what I'm on right now for the social media. Uh, again, Canna Trooper Cultivations for consultations uh, solutions. And you know, uh, I have a little slogan about grind that green. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, I have I love it. I love it. I gotta work out my setup, brother. I gotta fucking work out my setup. Yeah. What I'm looking for is the the sound bites for when I mix the show together and it's yeah. more like I am Eagle Gardens and I am on 
fucking talking shit with Eden. Yeah, I so, got gotcha. you. Okay. That's what I'm I looking gotcha. for, brother. Gotcha. Okay, here we go. Yep. Uh, I'm Cannon Trooper, and I'm on talking shit with uh, Eagle Gardens. Thank you, brother. That's exactly yeah, what man. I was looking for. Good. <laughs> appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. And again, man, I appreciate your time and coming on. It's been a fucking great, what, we've got two, two and a half hours we've been at this. And it's, nice. I know you've dropped a lot of knowledge and helped a lot of people. And it's been a great interview and a, you know, a pleasure for me to get you on here. And again, I hope sometime you'll consider coming back and uh, talking with me again and let me know how the things are growing on with the hemp maybe later in the season and uh, what you're working on then. Okay. Yeah, definitely. We can definitely do that. All right. I appreciate you, brother, and you have a great yeah. night. All right, buddy. You do the same. Thanks for having Bye me. Now. Bye. No problem. Bye. Canada Trooper, how awesome was that? I hope you guys enjoyed that interview, and uh, I know I did. It was a great night for me. I enjoyed talking to you guys every night. Each and every one of you letting you guys come on here and uh, tell me your story. I love hearing them. I like to hear not only uh, your cannabis journeys and, you know, what you guys are doing in your garden, but I like to get to know the other side of you as well. And I thank all of you guys for tuning in. Boom Farms, Pumador, thank you very much for uh, gracing us with your uh, presence tonight. I appreciate you. I have much respect for you, especially for all that awesome uh, photography you're laying down over there as well as all the good stuff you're dropping over there and uh, Embracing Organics. That's a great show. Shout out to all you guys over there, Tanazi, past guests, and uh, Rasa Jeff. I've got an invitation out to you as well. But now I don't want to leave anybody out. You guys are all doing an excellent job over there. I appreciate you guys. Red Setter Farms, thank you for popping in and chat tonight. Chris Mertz, uh, appreciate you. Aldridge 25. There's getting to be way too many of you guys to do this every night, but I'm going to keep trying. Uh, Chris Mertz, of course, Smoking Joe Frazier, Sorrell Howell, thank you very much for tuning in. Of course, uh, my daughter, Lexi, much love for you. Thank you for your support. Koo, if you're watching and I didn't see you pass by, I love you, baby girl. Killer Bees, I appreciate you. I know you might have popped out, but hopefully you watch this. Uh, your boy Roy, I got much respect for you. I've seen you around a long time. Alaskan Dabbers, that's a new name. I hope you enjoyed the show. Of course, Charlie's 420, I always appreciate you. I love that Boston accent. Light it up, Tim. I hope everything is going well up in Canada. I appreciate you guys' uh, views up there. Uh, D Urge, I appreciate you for popping in. John Boy, uh, man, there's so many great names I just recognize from every every night, man. You guys are so awesome. I appreciate everybody's support. Double Tap, thank you for popping in. Uh, boom, I doubt I doubt, missed you, but I appreciate you, brother. Smiley's Gardens, the idea, man. I always like seeing him in chat. I I'm getting to know him better and better, and that's a pleasure on my part. Smiling, glad I I bumped into you, brother. It's good to meet him. My fiber optic. Thank you very much, Michelle F. 
Iverson. I hope I didn't mess that up. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Oh man, I think I'm covered most everybody. If I if I forgot anybody, I am so sorry. I appreciate everybody that uh, put some time into this because your time is just as valuable as my time. And uh, you guys are what make this possible because uh, I wouldn't do it if you guys didn't tune in and I appreciate it. So I'm Eagle Gardens. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, you guys have a great night. Of course, do something nice for somebody. And uh, as always, do random acts of kindness, change lives. Uh, I've been on both ends. It's a true story. One act will teach you. Good night, everybody.